is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. What are you talking about? No, it's not him. There is only one more. There is only one more. There is, that's not it. One more. Get arrest! No! They saw your team put up zero effort. Wake up! Remember in the old days they used to have oxygen for them. Where's the oxygen? They play like absolute just garbage. <laughs> this is the Sports Loud Mouth. Yay! Man, can you keep it down? I'm trying to introduce here. With Errol Marks, Speedy Petey, and Josh, Josh Silverberg. Silverberg. You're not even a has-been. You're a never-was! You're a never-was! And we are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Sports Loudmouths. I'm your host, Daryl Marks. My co-hosts, Joshua Silverberg, and on the board, and my co-host, as always, Mr. Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Wednesdays and Thursdays at 9 p.m. Remember, you can call us at 631-965-4990. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS, WWSRN, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. What's going on, guys? How are we today? We're doing great. Can't complain. We got a lot of good stuff tonight. Why does it always, when I say something, you guys takes you guys five seconds to even answer my questions? Well, because I never know who's going to go first, if it's Speedy or myself. Well, that's because Speedy's got his friggin' head up his ass. He doesn't say anything. God forbid I try to be a producer and prepare the commercials so I go back to full screen. You're going to do something right for once in your whole entire life. Well, there you go. Regardless, it's going to be a draft-heavy show. We got Mitch Harper coming on in a little bit. It's going to be awesome. A lot of BYU insight on Zach Wilson. I know Jeff fans are going to be ecstatic and draft analyst and fans are going to be interested to hear what he has to say this is a guy that watched zach from high school and college every single snap so if anybody's going to be giving an honest assessment on zach wilson it's going to be mitch for sure well again like i said we well i didn't say yes at 9 30 we are going to be talking to ksl uh sports cougar sports saturday host and byu insider mitch harper why do you make this so difficult to read why can't you just make it fluent so I can just fluently read it? Like just say BYU Insider. I, I, I don't understand it. it it's like <laughs> I, I, sometimes I wonder about this kid. I, well, I we don't... have two BYU guys tonight. We have two BYU guys tonight. Well, I, we I didn't say that board. yet. I didn't say that. And by the way, um, at 10 o'clock, uh, we will be talking to my interns. We're going to be talking to Kyle and Jeffrey. Uh, they have a lot of insight what's going on in football and basketball. This is the first time they're being they're going to have the opportunity to be on a live radio show on a, on a live radio network. So they're very excited to join us. So that's going to be very fun and very interesting. And at 11 o'clock, we will be talking to KSL TV News anchor and BYU TV sports caster Dave McCann. Why again with this long... <laughs> craziness he's so angry reading it you look so angry just reading because it's it. ridiculous i i mean why do you make it so difficult to read it oh my god i sometimes i wonder about this kid i i'm i'm starting to lose it popping out of your neck while you were reading it, it is it funny. is does it really mean anything when my vein sticks out speedy Oh, well, let's wait five minutes before he answers that question. <laughs> He's going to give an analytical analysis. Yeah, of God it. almighty. Analytical analysis. Yeah. That kind of contradicts itself, Josh. Well, you contradict no, yourself all the way, time. You're going to get all AA on it. <laughs> well, 
that, that's a whole nother word and a whole nother story. Anyways, um, we are going to get in first. First of all, I, I, I was on the internet the other day. And I, I just want to say, and by the way, Speedy, do you have all so you can see the feeds and who's writing to us and who's, who's not writing mm-hmm. to us? Because it. you're the one who's going to be controlling that now that we're on opposite sides of the studio. So everybody wanted to have the opportunity to see us on different views and different cameras. cameras. Well, now we are. There's Josh, there's Speedy, and there is me. Okay? So there you go. <laughs> Anyways, um, I, I've been very, very angry for the last couple of weeks. I'm going to tell you why I've been angry for the last couple of weeks. This whole Steph Curry situation. And and I, I'm sorry. I sit back and I always talk about Steph Curry. Is Steph Curry one of the greatest shooters of all time? No question that he is. Is he one of the greatest point guards of all time? If anybody thinks he's one of the greatest point guards of all time, then you don't know basketball. And you need to get your head out of your ass. Okay? Because there is no way in hell that this guy is one of the greatest point guards of all time. This guy doesn't make anybody around him better. He doesn't make anybody around him better. And yesterday, somebody posted something like, who would you rather on your team, Russell Westbrook or Steph Curry? Now, to me, they're both me players. Both of them. If you look at right now, um, Russell Westbrook, he plays for Washington. What are they, a 10 seed right now or a 9 yes, seed, seed in the Eastern Conference? What is the Golden State Warriors with the talent that they have on their team without Klay Thompson? What are they, an 8th or ninth seed? I think they're a 9 now. They've been flip-flopping between 9 and 10. <laughs> so what is the difference? What is the difference? Who is uh, who's your point guard of the team? If it's Steph Curry or Russell Westbrook? If you ask me, who's the better all around, more athletic player? It's Russell Westbrook. Both of those guys, and I don't want to hear. Well, Steph Curry won it without Kevin Durant. Yeah, you also had Clay Thompson, and you also had Draymond Green. Right. You, well, you're going to say, well, Russell Westbrook had Chris Paul, or Russell Westbrook played with James Harden, or Russell Westbrook was a, played with Kevin Durant and James Harden. First of all, Kevin Durant and James Harden were young. When they played together on OKC, they were young. It he took was a six-man Harden. He was six-man on the team. They were, they were a young team. It, yeah. it took a little while for Russell Westbrook. And by the time they figured things out, James Harden was on his way to the great old Houston over there, the great state of who knows where, okay? I, I, I will say this. Everybody thinks I hate on Steph Curry. And that's fine. If that's the way you want to think and that's the way you look at it, that's great. That's grand. I don't hate on Steph Curry. Do I like the guy? No, I don't like the guy. I think the guy is obnoxious. He's been an obnoxious player since he came into the league. And I used to like him on Davidson. Do I like him anymore? The answer is no. I don't like him. I don't like how he dances and he does his stupid shimmy. And, I, and here's another thing I don't like about him. Here's the main thing I don't like about him. When he likes to bite on his mouthpiece and, and, and when he gets may angry, he throws it at people. He tries to show everybody how obnoxious he really is. So, honestly, everybody, everybody can take their shots at me and say, you don't know what you're talking about. Steph Curry is one of the greatest uh, players in NBA history. That's great. That, if that's what you think, that's great. My honest opinion is anybody that thinks that Steph Curry is one of the greatest point guards of all time, you're on drugs. You're on drugs. He's not even a top ten. Stuck says Steph Curry for MVP, and Stuck says I don't think I don't think Earl is Marxist. Welcome in the Bay Area. I don't give a crap. I don't care what. You're welcome in Ireland, so there's that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, Jeff says nobody likes Errol. He should shut the f up. Well, thank you, Jeff. I don't like you either, buddy. Maybe you should go and uh, make another bet. How many hairs Speedy has in his ass? How's that sound? Okay. <laughs> I just, to me, when you look at the big picture, 
and you try to compare and contrast a player, you can't compare and contrast a player by how many championships they've won, okay? Because it takes a team to win championships. When you look at LeBron James right now, you put LeBron James on any team, any team right now, who's the worst team in the NBA right now? I think Detroit. (laughs) Detroit. Detroit. How many wins do they have? 16, 15? If you put LeBron James on Detroit, are they a playoff team? Yes. They're a playoff team. Now, if you put Steph Curry on Detroit, are they a playoff team? I don't think so. I rest my case. Steph Curry is not a team player. He's a me player. He is a me player. Is Russell Westbrook a me player? Absolutely. My arguments vary on that. I don't think Russell Westbrook is much of a team player either. And that's a problem with a lot of these NBA players. Is Chris Paul a me player or a team player? Team. Team player. All right. Now, if Chris Paul went to Detroit right now, are they a borderline playoff team? Yes. Okay. Yes. So you see the difference. If he could take that Thunder roster that he took last year, he could definitely take Detroit. You see the difference. Now, go to football. If Tom Brady goes to, I don't know, um, give me a team. Give me the worst team right now in the end. Detroit. Is Detroit a borderline playoff team? Mm, that's close. That's that really close. close. I think but you would good. argue that they are. They're competitive, yeah. yeah. Playoff team is still maybe a bit of a stretch because Detroit is still That's not really my bad. argument. And by the way, Justin Booker says you can't compare Steph to LeBron. Why not? Why can't you compare? People do it, unfortunately. <laughs> Hold on one second. Hold on one second. How could you? First of all, LeBron James is a power forward slash point guard. That's what he does. He is Magic Johnson. He is Magic Johnson. Now, LeBron James, he is not even a point guard. He averages more assists than Steph Curry does. So how could you say you can't compare these guys? You can absolutely compare these guys. Nikola Jokic, who's a center, has more assists per game than Steph Curry. I mean, you look at the point guard position and you argue the point guard position and what the point guard position varies, okay? How does it vary from what to what, okay? Well, what does a point guard do? He runs the offense, right? Because that's what he does. He passes the ball. He's the guy that brings the ball up and down the court and makes the plays in the open court, right? Am I right or wrong? Am I right or wrong? Yes You're or right. no? Absolutely right. Okay, so what does LeBron James do? Facilitates the entire game, essentially coaches it, and he does ru- everything well. He runs the point. Who brings the ball up? If you watch, if you watch L.A. basketball, you watch the Lakers basketball, you, Schroeder LeBron. is the point guard, right? right. Mm-hmm. Who brings the ball up? Is it Schroeder or LeBron? When LeBron, he plays? LeBron, most LeBron of the James, time. okay? Now, LeBron James, you're going to say, well, he's bigger, he's stronger, he's this, he's that, whatever, okay? I don't give a crap. Because if you look at Magic Johnson in the 70s and the 80s, Magic Johnson had the same body tone, the same body is LeBron James. Am I right or wrong? He was. Practically, and yeah. he was the point guard. And he played. He defended five different positions. Steph Curry, he can't even defi- defend his own position. <laughs> I mean, seriously. And by the way, read what Judge Dustin is saying, Speedy. That's your, you're the producer here. LeBron, LeBron is in a totally different league. Absolutely. Well, that's not what everybody else says in the NBA. That's not what every fan says. Everybody says that Steph Curry is the MVP of the league every single year. How could you say that Steph Curry is the MVP every single year? I don't give a crap if he scores 40 points a game. His unanimous one, yeah, okay. But that every year, no. <laughs> I don't give an F, okay? Because, honestly, when you look at LeBron James and what LeBron James does. Okay, so let's go to different players. Give me stars right now in a league. Get, name me five of the top stars in the league. And, and, and I'm going to tell you, if you put him on another team, if he's going to make that team better or a playoff team. Give Luke, me one Luka Doncic. If Luka Doncic played for the Detroit Pistons, if Luka Doncic played for the Pistons right now, the Pistons are a borderline playoff team. 
Guaranteed. Okay, give me another one. Giannis. 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 If you Kawhi put Gian- if you put Giannis on Detroit, they're a borderline playoff team. Okay, absolutely. He redefines the center position, the power forward position. Okay, give me another. Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard. We saw him go to Toronto. He went to Toronto and knocked off the great and powerful Golden State Warriors with Kevin Durant. Okay, and I want to hear about his injury. He got injured in the third game. In the first two games, Kevin Durant played. Okay, so I don't want to hear that. And then I'll allude you to the next one. I get to the next point of Kevin Durant. What is he? Would he get them there? It, I think he would. Look, look what Kevin Durant completely changed the whole uh, Brooklyn Nets. Look at him. And Kyrie Irving's a different player this year. But look what, look what the Brooklyn Nets are with Kevin Durant. Now, I, again, I am looking at the position. Now, you put Steph Curry on Detroit right now. They're not a playoff team. You put Steph Curry on the Knicks without Julius Randle. Are they a playoff team? No. no. They're not. They're not. Julius Randle is a better player, than a better all-around player than Steph Curry is this year. He averages more assists, more rebounds, and he even maybe doesn't average more points, but he plays on a different kind of team. They're more defense first, offense second. That's why Curry wouldn't fit the Knicks. That's their no. exact reason he wouldn't play defense. And Justin Booker says Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Jackson. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he revitalizes Detroit. If he wants to sing like Michael Jackson, he wants to sing like uh, Smooth Criminal, because that's what, I'll tell you this, Steph Curry is a smooth criminal if he wins the MVP. Okay? <laughs> yeah. it's, 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 it's ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. And all I see on social media is all these Steph Curry lovers. Oh, did you watch Steph Curry last night? Did you see what he was last night? Yeah, I see him as a ball hog. He doesn't make anybody around him. You have Andrew Wiggins. You have Draymond Green. You have all these different players that are players. Good players. Andrew Wiggins was an all-star. Draymond Green was an all-star. Steph Curry's an all-star. You have three all-stars on a team. You're telling me you're a ninth seed in the Western Conference? I don't want to hear about, uh, he scored 31 points a game. He's unbelievable. Do you watch him play? Yeah, I watch him play. I, I'd rather wipe my ass to watch him play. How's that sound? <laughs> How's that sound? I think the guy is an absolute joke of a player. And, I, I, and he's a three-point shooter. Go ahead. Clarence says Steph is not winning the MVP. And Snug says Steph Curry shimmy is the best. Oh, what? Oh, this, boy. This? We'll do the shimmy? Look at this. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's great. How about this? How about when he does his shimmy, I'll stick his mouthpiece up his ass. How's that sound? Because he likes to throw it. Maybe he'll catch it in somebody's <laughs> ass. I am so sick and tired of and all these people on social media taking shots at me, telling me. I had a woman write to me on Facebook because somebody put up a feed and telling me that, uh, it's, I, I, a matter of fact, where's my, I can't find it on my phone. I got to go on my Facebook. But I'm, I'm going to go, uh, as we move along on the show, when we come back from break, I am going to, I'm going to read off what I said about Steph Curry and how many people took a shot at me all over social media telling me that I don't know what the F I'm talking about and that you should go back and don't quit your day job, okay? And here's what I'm going to tell you, beautiful blonde lady. How about this? This is what you need to do. Okay, why don't you take your powder, take your lipstick and wipe it all over your face or whatever the heck you call your face and maybe put a smiley face on your ass because that's all I want to look at. (laughs) How's that sound? I don't even know her damn name. Okay, take your shots at me on social media because I got my own opinion about Steph Curry. Steph Curry's a moron. Okay, that's what he is. And he, he might be the greatest shooter of all time. No question that he is. No question he is. Does that make him a better player than LeBron James? Does that make him a better player than Luka Doncic, Joel Embiid, or the Greek freak? The answer is no. 
It doesn't. And I'm sorry. That's why I wanted to come. I didn't want to get into the football draft yet. I want to get into this because you know what? I'm tired. I am tired of listening to people telling me that Steph Curry deserves the MVP. Steph Curry is a ninth seed in the Western Conference. He's barely sneaking in. And if there wasn't the new rules right now because of the whole COVID-19, they wouldn't even be in the playoffs. Snug says Earl's spending a lot of time with ass. Wiping his ass, sticking stuff in other people's ass. Damn Hashtag right. Steph Curry to M- for MVP. And, and he says uh, Steph has the rings to back it up. Uh, by the way, Clarence says... He a better player than Joel. Stop it. No, he's not. Hold on one second. Now, Joel Embiid. Now, let's go. Let's look at the 76ers right now. Let's look at the 76ers. Ben Simmons is a great defensive player. He's probably going to win defensive player of the year. Am I right or wrong? Everybody agree with me? He probably is. Very possible. He is probably going to win defensive player of the year. Besides Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and maybe we'll say Harris, okay? We'll say Harris? Mm -hmm. Okay. Harris, okay? Besides those three players. Who do they have on their team? <laughs> who, are they, who, who on their team would you want on your starting lineup or on your bench? Give me one. Give me one that stands out to anybody out there. Give me one player, probably and I'll tell next, you. Probably the next best one is Danny Green. <laughs> Danny Green. Danny, Long Island native. Love Danny. Nice guy. I've met Danny Green two, two or three times. Great guy. Do you, want, do you think that I would be going out there trying to make a trade for Danny Green? <laughs> Honestly, that's what, this is what I'm talking about. Harris ain't bad. I, I just said Harris. I put Harris on my list. The only three players on that team is Harris. Harris is a borderline all-star. I would say he's a borderline all-star. Uh, Joel Embiid, he's an all-star. Uh, you look at Ben Simmons, defensively, he's an all-star. Everything else, I would say Ben Simmons is overrated. Okay, Joel Embiid, when he wasn't in the lineup, what was their record? Very, it's definitely below 500. Below 500. Now, how, let me ask you this question. Is Steph Curry in the lineup or not in the lineup? Does it really matter? Does it really matter? No. Because no. they're not a top five seed. Joel Embiid right now is knocking at the number one seed. What the hell is the Golden State Warriors knocking on? I'll tell you what they're knocking the on. The, he's, they're, no, they're knocking on Dallas Mavericks' little horsey. That's what they're going to be doing. They're going to be knocking on Luka Doncic. That's what they're going to be lacking on. And they're going to be knocking on heaven's door after that game. <laughs> All right? It's ridiculous. I'm so tired. I just said Tobias Harris, Clarence. I just said Harris. <laughs> okay? You, you guys, I'm so tired of listening about Steph Curry. Steph Curry, he won a championship. He absolutely did without Kevin Durant. Was he the MVP of that team? Was he the MVP of the playoffs? Nope. Who was it? Durant. No, he wasn't. I'm talking before Durant. When they won the championship before Durant. Oh, Iguodala. Iguodala. Iguodala was the MVP of that Iguodala. Wasn't Steph Curry? Now, when Durant came to the team, who was the MVP of the playoffs for the Golden State Warriors? Durant both times. Durant. Durant. Why is that? Let me ask you that question. Why didn't Steph Curry, the great and powerful man, uh, the great and powerful point guard, why hasn't he ever won an MVP in the finals? The answer is... He's no good in the playoffs. He's no good in the finals. And I don't want to hear that he's a career 25-point scorer. I could score 25 points on that team. It is ridiculous. And I don't want to hear, oh, by the way, Clarence says Iggy didn't deserve it at all. What is, what is, who's Iggy? Iguodala? Iguodala. Yes, yeah, he, he did. He deserved it. Yes, he did. I would say he deserved it. He was the best all-around defense on that team. He's the one who stopped. Uh, they played LeBron James right. in the finals. Yep. He's the one who rejected LeBron James when he went up for that layup. 
And he stopped. I think he held him to less than 20 points in game one, if I remember correctly. Steph Curry is a generational type of talent, Snug says. He is the best shooter of all time and has the best swagger we have ever seen since AI. First of all, okay. First of all, <laughs> yeah, okay. Snuggy Wuggy was a bear. Snuggy Wuggy can shove it up his ass, okay? I will tell you this. What kind of swagger does he have doing his stupid shimmy and biting on his mouthpiece and throwing it at referees? What kind of – But first of all, you know who has swag right now in the NBA? Chris Paul. That's swag. Mm-hmm. That's swag. A guy that goes to Phoenix who wasn't even a playoff team and takes them as the number two seed to the playoffs. That's swag, baby. Carl says, what has Joel Embiid done in the playoffs? That's fine. You want to you take shots at Joel Embiid? How about this? Joel Embiid took his team to the Eastern Conference Championship, right? No, they lost to Toronto. No. Oh, so so he's never he taken these. Should have been for the lucky bounce by Kawhi two years. Oh, they still <laughs> have to get through overtime though. <laughs> Nevertheless, okay. So Joel Embiid's only gone into the second round in the Eastern Conference. Okay, right. all right. So that's fine. You want to argue that? What has Steph Curry done by himself? Now we just said if we put Steph Curry on another team, we put Steph Curry on Dallas. We put him on all that. Are they a playoff team? The answer is no. No, they're he's not. So how could you sit here and tell me that Steph Curry is one of the top five players in the league right now? How could you tell me that Steph Curry is one of the greatest point guards of all time? Magic Johnson could play on – if Magic Johnson, Johnson was on his prime of his career, if he went to any of these teams, are they a playoff team? A lot of them, yeah. Okay. So we're talking about point guards. How about this? Um, let's bring up another point guard. Uh, Isaiah Thomas. You put Isaiah Thomas in his prime on any of these teams, are they a playoff team? Yes or no? So. I would say so. How about you, Josh? Yes or no? I would say yes. Okay. So we just gave you two teams. We yep. we gave you two play two players that played on two different teams. All right. So give me another point guard from the Pistol Pete. Okay. I was just going to say Pete Maravich. Pistol yeah, so. Pete. If Pistol Pete was playing in the prime of his career and he played on any one of these teams, are they a playoff team? I would yeah. say so. I would say so too. How uh, about Jerry West? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Jerry West went to all those finals and yeah, lost, exactly. but still still made it there. Before we go to break, uh, Carl says uh, you only so you said only teams with big three win titles now. Who said that? Carl. I said that? Carl apparently said you said that. I said that? No. Hold on one second, Carl. Here, here's what I'm going to say about what I said about that. When I said and I argued that there, the, the league has changed to a big three league, okay, the game has transitioned into that. I didn't say that only big three teams could win because we've seen a big two win. We've seen teams with big two. When, when Toronto won a championship – there was only two superstars on that team. Right. And Kyle Lowry, I would say. I was going to say, star, was, yeah, not really and a superstar. Kyle Lowry's a nice player, but yeah. was Kyle Lowry even considered a mega superstar? Right. It was more just Kawhi was the one that put him over the top. But there you were, could Siakam was the guy that also helped drastically on that. But there were two stars, okay? Yeah. There were two stars that brought them to a championship. So, Carl, my, by the way, that was your argument for why the NBA sucks. Yes, I've argued that, but I've also just gave you a team, Toronto, that won a championship with two stars. So, again, I could go back and when I say, Carl, every time somebody talks on sports radio, you think they're always going to follow through? I've seen many people brought things up on their show and then go back on what they have said. Okay? I'm not going to always stick to what I'm saying. I'm also going to go back to what I'm going to say about Steph Curry. Steph Curry is one of the highest overrated players in sports history. And for anybody to sit here and tell me that he's not, you don't know sports. You're not going to tell me you know more sports than I do when you're going to take Steph Curry over Isaiah Thomas, Chris Paul, Pete Maravich, or any of the guys that I mentioned because he's not even close. He's not even close. And to put him in the top 10 greatest point guards of all time, Eric Martini could kiss my ass. 
And that's what I'm going to say about that. And all you damn stupid fans out there. By the way, you got to put it on big screen, Speedy, because people want to see it. We got to go to break. Are we going to break? Why do we have to go to break? Oh, we have a guest. uh, I forgot about that. Um, When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we will be talking to KSL Sports Cougar Sports Saturday host and BYU insider Mitch Harper here on the Sports Lab Mounts. You're, you're, You're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loud Mouths. Well, finally, you picked a happy song because I'm in a pissy mood tonight. That's for sure. I'm telling you guys, I'm out for blood tonight. So any of you Steph Curry lovers, you can kiss my ass. Remember... You are listening to Sports Loud Mouths every single Wednesday and Thursday at 9 p.m. You can call us at 631-965-4990. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS, WWSRN, our Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I want to apologize to our guests because I've got a lot of passion on this. Every single person on social media for the last three days have been taking shots at me because I can't stand Steph Curry. I can't stand his stupid shimmy. I can't stand that people are putting him on the sectors of the MVP voting and I'm so tired of comparing and contrasting him to all the greats. He is nowhere close to any of them. But anyways, we're going to football now. That's a segue. Yeah, that's a segue, all right. We are now talking to KSL Sports Cougars Saturday's host and BYU insider, Mitch Harper. What's going on, Mitch? Hey, what's going on, guys? They made that a mouthful, didn't they, my job title there? Well, it wasn't you. It was my great and powerful producer that likes to throw. Have you ever played dice, Mitch? Not much in the gambling scene out here in Utah, so not much dice in my uh, background. In games of dice, or you, you like to play dominoes, you like to play crazy eights with your yeah. cards. You got to have a certain amount of cards. You got to land on a certain number to win. Well, Speedy always lands on the wrong number. He is the <laughs> wrong number of the dominoes, the dice, and the crazy eights. But I'm happy to be here. I'm happy that you're joining us. Mitch, so tell us a little bit about your thoughts on the great Zach Wilson. I know a lot of people out there in Utah love him. There were stories coming out over the last couple of weeks before the draft that Zach Wilson was going to be the Jets guy. When you heard that the Jets were interested in Zach Wilson after his pro day, were you surprised that the Jets were so interested in him? And what do you think of him as a player moving into the NFL? I wasn't surprised at all because I thought that Zach Wilson was head and shoulders better than Justin Fields and and Trey Lance. I mean, Zach Wilson is kind of what the NFL wants right now as far as that arm talent. He's elite in that regard. I mean, I remember before he even played a game at BYU, I said, this guy's the next Baker Mayfield. I took a lot of heat for it. So I'm I'm with you there. I understand taking the blowback on a hot take on social media. Back when Zach Wilson was an unknown guy, I was saying this guy is going to be a big time talent because when you mention people out in Utah liking him now, well, a year ago, there wasn't hardly anyone liking this guy. I mean, there was fans emailing and, and reaching out to BYU's coaches saying, please don't start Zach Wilson. Everyone's saying they love him now. But a year ago, after a dip <laughs> in his sophomore year due to the reconstructed shoulder injury, he didn't have many supporters, but he kept grinding and working and continued to show why he was going to be a head and shoulders, the best quarterback BYU's had in, in many years. And he proved it in the draft process, too. You combine his personality in terms of his work ethic and then also what he did on the field and in his film, because we know in this virtual world that we're in with everything was kind of not your typical combine and draft setting, they had to rely on the film and the film was elite. So yeah, I'm not surprised that the Jets 
were all in on Zach Wilson, especially with all the manpower that was there at Pro Day with Joe Douglas, Robert Sala, and the offense coordinator. It was a no-brainer. He was the number two guy, and I think it's going to work out quite nicely. One of the things I always thought that stood out with Zach Wilson, the season they had this year, BYU had to play a lot of games against opponents they didn't know about a lot of the times, different schedules because they were independent. And Zach Wilson still played phenomenally amidst all that, was a Heisman candidate for a while. Do you think that is something that mentally will give him an advantage in the NFL over these other quarterbacks that either played for bigger schools or like you were saying with Trey Lance is still very raw? And even North Dakota State for an FCS team too is one of the most talented teams. So do you think that's something that could give Wilson an edge right away, maybe to be better quicker or good against competitive teams? It's going to be interesting because the one thing I think people continue to always knock on Zach Wilson is his competition. The thing is, like Trevor Lawrence, like Mac Jones, Zach Wilson was on teams where his squad was head and shoulders better than anyone. Trevor Lawrence was in the ACC, sure, but who was good in the ACC? Clemson every single week because of the supporting cast around him, they were four touchdown favorites, similar to that of what BYU was doing. Zach Wilson, though, his just preparation for the game. I mean, that's what makes him, I think, a great prospect. And I think you're not going to have any questions about this guy not being prepared. It's a matter now of him being able to simply execute and having the pieces around him with the draft class that the Jets put together last week. He's going to have some young pieces starting from the ground up to build this thing and actually become that folk hero that Jets fans have been craving for so many decades. So I think it's a great fit. And I think that he's going to be prepared. I think that's one thing that Jets fans can bank on is that this guy is not going to cut any corners. He's going to be relentless. I mean, the moment after he gets drafted, he comes back home to Draper in, in Utah. They have a big family party on the, over the weekend, a bunch of people celebrating. But that guy's in his living room studying all the Jets players who they drafted, studying all their offensive film, just studying anything he can. I mean, the guy broke down literally every single BYU spring practice this past March for a team that he's not going to be a part of, but he cares about BYU. The guy just loves football. He loves film study. He's all in in that regard. It's now just simply having the offensive line, having the pieces around him. If you give him the protection, he's going to make the throws. He's going to succeed. Mitch, what was the difference that we saw a year ago? I know he had the shoulder issue, but I mean, what a drastic change to go from. I mean, only throwing, I believe it was three interceptions this past year. It was incredible how his completion percentage went up. The jump balls were on point. He's so accurate with his throws. Easy release when he releases the football. What is the difference from a year ago where nobody wanted him to start to now all of a sudden being the number two overall pick in the draft? It's just a sudden change. Everyone focuses on the injury, and that's valid. I mean, he was a reconstructed shoulder. Even back when he was in high school at corner, Canyon, he was dealing with some of the shoulder injuries then. That's why he didn't maybe reach the lofty recruiting status that maybe he could have had he been fully healthy with that shoulder. But I also think that no one brings this up is that the offensive coordinator role. Jeff Grimes has always been the offensive coordinator the past three years for BYU, but midway through that point of the 2019 season, Kalani Satake, BYU was two and four. They kind of shifted the responsibilities to more of Aaron Roderick, who was the passing game coordinator, but he started to have more control of the offense. And I think that shift did wonders for, I think, Zach Wilson. Also helped out some of the backup quarterbacks who filled in for Wilson, who was battling a little bit of the hand injury when he was missing some games in that 2019 season. But that, to me, was where BYU's offense really took off. BYU was coy about it, said, oh, it's a collaborative effort, and Jeff Grimes is still the offense coordinator. But anyone that was in the know knew Aaron Roderick, the passing game coordinator, who was at the draft party last week for Zach Wilson. He was the guy that was developing the quarterback, and he would even tell you, Jeff Grimes, that Aaron Roderick deserves all the credit in the growth and development of Zach Wilson. Him getting more autonomy over the offense, I thought, did wonders for BYU, and it set the table for BYU in 2020, even with a restructuring structured schedule 
amidst COVID-19 that their offense took flight. There was a lot of confidence before the restructured schedule that with seven power five teams, they're going to put up huge numbers with Zach Wilson at quarterback because he was healthy. There was the talk about the quarterback debate and the captain and all of that. But people internally knew Zach Wilson was going to be the guy. They just wanted to make sure that he was going to still put in all that work that I talked about moments ago. And he did. And he passed with flying colors. And he was lights out in fall camp. And BYU's offense took flight. But yes, kind of reallocating the offense according to their duties. But that had a big role. And there was just a great relationship between Zach Wilson and Aaron Roderick that I thought worked a lot better in the communication for Zach to really have control of that offense. We are talking to KSL Sports Cougar on Saturdays, host and BYU insider Mitch Harper. Mitch, we talk about Zach Wilson like he's a god. Some people like him. Some people absolutely love him. Chris Sims put him hand over fist, the number one quarterback in this class. I watched BYU play maybe three or four times this year. I saw him in the ball game. I was very intrigued on what I saw him in the ball game against a team that was a top 10 team in the beginning of the season, kind of fell out of the top 10. When you look at his quarterback play, is there a particular quarterback that you've seen in the NFL or college football in the past that you can compare his skills and who he is as a player. I really thought it was Baker Mayfield. The kind of the attitude one. Zach Wilson, he comes off maybe a little bit of an arrogant guy, but I think it's just confidence in his belief of who he can be as a player. And I just think his ability to be able to run, make plays out of the pocket and just his athleticism. He is a good athlete, but what's been positive development for Zach Wilson in his career is the fact that he understands he can't take hits. That was one thing impressive about his 2020 season that really doesn't get talked about much is the guy, if he ever ran, he was getting out of bounds. He was going to slide. He barely got hit. He had a great offensive line in front of him. He just makes smart decisions. And Baker Mayfield is someone I thought in terms of college careers, they were very similar. I hate to kind of compare to the Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. I know that Zach Wilson studied those guys a ton and he looks up to those type of quarterbacks, but I really like the comparison of Baker Mayfield. I've always believed that for years now and kind of stick with that one. But yeah, Zach Wilson, you could draw a lot of parallels to other quarterbacks because he'll pick from certain quarterbacks what they do in a given week and then he'll incorporate it into the BYU offense, what they did last season. That was evidence again with Aaron Roderick having more control. BYU gets a win at Houston, and they incorporate that flip pass that Patrick Mahomes did with the Chiefs. They use that in a win over Houston this past season. So he's someone that just studies a ton of film and analyzes all those QBs. Maybe he could be a co-host with Aaron Rodgers on Jeopardy. That would be great. The Zach Wilson of the world with the Aaron Rodgers of the world. Two good-looking guys, one older, one younger, and they could throw a ball back and forth while they're asking questions. That would be And, and there's, there's some built-in storylines, too. I mean, Zach Wilson was calling out Aaron Rodgers during the season Thank for – his lack of swag and Aaron Rodgers clapped back at him. It was like, Hey, I got the swag, like youngster, like, Hey, just because I got the long sleeves and the visor, like doesn't mean I don't have swag. So there's some built in a uh, little bit of rivalry already between those two. So it can work out. <laughs> well, we don't even know where Aaron Rodgers is going to play next year. If all we know, he's playing for the CFL or maybe he's playing for jeopardy. <laughs> so is there a trait, whether it's physical or mental or within his game, his skill set that stands out more than any other quarterback in this class and maybe a trait that you think he's already going to be maybe top 10 in right away, even compared to other quarterbacks in the NFL. So what would that be in your opinion and why? I think the velocity that he throws the ball with, if you got a radar gun on his throws, I mean, he's the type of guy that can get in the 60 miles per hour. I mean, the improvement that he's made when he got in touch with 
John Beck, a former second-round NFL draft pick, former BYU great. That's been huge, too, in Zach Wilson's development as a quarterback. He just throws the ball with great timing, great precision. He's really good, too, in the intermediate throws. He's not a guy that's going to put too much on his throws. His ball placement is great. So I just think that his touch with the football and the velocity, those are some of the things that stand out to me with Zach Wilson. And this preparation, too, as I mentioned earlier, that's going to go a long ways as well. So I think those things stand out above the rest. Two-parter for me. One, we heard after he got drafted by the Jets that he's never even been to the East Coast before, and now he's going to New York City. Run, Zach, run. Run for your life, Zach. I would give him advice. I could tell him all of that. I'd run the hell away. (laughs) But you're going from a place like Utah, which is, I think, a little more quieter compared to New York City, which is madness 24-7. And that's a big step to go in taking into that. Do you think he'll be able to handle that one? And two, why was there a reason as to why he was not named the captain? What was the issue with that going on yeah with the first part he's got a lot of family that live in the new york area so i believe he's visited quite a bit in the new york he's never lived out there he's always been in the state of utah but he's visited quite a bit on the east coast so maybe there's some familiarity in in that regard and from provo in salt lake media there's quite a few outlets that cover boe sports i mean boe's got a passionate fan base all consuming but it's just going to be a different level type of questions asked he's not going to have a program protecting him he's got to answer he's got to step up to the music And, and that was one thing that he was willing to do anytime there was adversity that faced BYU he'd step up get in front of the mic and answer tough questions if needed but I think it's going to be a different level obviously in New York and I think that's one thing that I am very curious to see how he does handle that just the amount of coverage really having the weight of a franchise on his shoulder of this magnitude I just think it's going to be very unique and I think that's one of the big questions I do have as far as the captain spot goes that was a deal where BYU they had named a bunch of starters at the beginning of fall camp in 2020 And at that time, BYU still hadn't officially named who their starting quarterback was going to be. And it was really just kind of a timing deal. Again, people around the program, they knew Zach was due for a huge bounce back year from what he did in his sophomore season. But until he was officially named the starting quarterback, that's when he officially got the title. And I think it was an equipment issue in week one where they just forgot to put the C on the jersey against Navy. But then in week two against Troy, he had that captain C on his jersey. So I think it was just kind of an oversight in regards to an equipment oversight or error. But yeah, he was always the captain. Once he officially got named the starting quarterback for that week one game against Navy, he was officially the captain. So it was really just kind of a timing deal, if anything. We are talking to KSL Sports Cougar on Saturday's host and BYU insider Mitch Harper. Now, Mitch, looking at the New York Jets with all the acquisitions they made in the offseason in free agency and then looking at their draft, one of the top three grades of the whole draft. And this is a problem what the Jets have done over the years. They bring in quarterbacks and they don't build around the quarterbacks. They decide, hey, you know what? We're going to bring in a quarterback. We're not going to add any offensive players. We're going to add a bunch of defensive players. We're going to win with just a quarterback. It doesn't work like that. Well, this year they added Zach Wilson. Then they added a big-time offensive lineman in Tucker. And then all of a sudden, they get Elijah Moore in the second round, the first-round talent. And then they added Carter, who is a very talented running back. When you look at the acquisitions that they made, do these players fit the talent that we've seen in BYU of Zach Wilson's? I think so. I watch a ton of college football and I I love draft season and Michael Carter was someone that I loved watching in the ACC just from afar. And I just think these are great fits. And that's why out here in Utah, when there was buzz building early in the draft process that Zach was linked to the Jets, I think a lot of BYU fans were like, gosh, it's going to be a mess. The Jets don't have success with quarterbacks. But when you kind of dig down and look at just the personnel and how Zach comes into a franchise where it's starting from the ground up. And I think that's a great setup too for Zach to be in, to be with Joe 
Douglas, who by all accounts, and you guys would know better than I, but I mean, just his background with his scouting department, just the way he drafts, it just looks like there's a new feel, a new sense of optimism with the New York Jets. We don't get many Jets games out here in Utah unless we have the Sunday ticket. You're lucky. Uh, but, <laughs> you but have to just, deal with Adam It's like a great setup for everyone to kind of just build brick by brick and kind of move through this together. I think that's going to be good for Zach because I really think in year one, I don't know if Zach's a guy that's going to just take the Jets from two or three wins to suddenly the playoffs. I think it's going to be a gradual deal. But the fact that there's so much newness around, it might afford him that luxury to maybe have a three-year plan. I think by year three, you got to get him to the playoffs. You got to get the Jets by then into the playoffs and contending for the AFC East with how much new personnel, new players, new coaches, new everything, that might be enough time to afford Zach Wilson that luxury to get there by year three to get to playoffs and contend for the AFC East. Well, this is the best thing about this. As long as he doesn't see ghosts in New England or as long as he doesn't hit somebody's butt when he's trying to run and trying to get away from a player, we're in good shape. And by the way, both games from both those quarterbacks were against two New England. So I think that when you look at both players, Sam Darnold and Mark Sanchez, you bring in a young quarterback like Zach Wilson and the talent that he is. And, and a lot of people think that he has one of the best arm talent that we've seen since Patrick Mahomes. They compare his skill and his ability, his arm strength, his ability to be mobile. He doesn't even have to plant his feet. He can throw 25 yards on a dime. It's really amazing what we've seen on film. But in a big game, when the pressure is on, could he handle the pressure here in New York, knowing that the New York Jets have not been a good organization, have not been a good team, and haven't won anything in 50 years? It's a great question. I mean, because there are examples in Zach Wilson's career of big games, big moments, where he comes up short. BYU in Coastal Carolina, BYU's undefeated. You win that game, you're probably going to a New Year's Six Bowl, and you come up short by one yard. 2019, BYU comes up short against Utah. 2018, their rival, they're up by 20 points on Utah, and they give up 21 and answered, and then BYU falls short in that one. So there has been examples of that in Zach Wilson's career, even dating back to his high school days. But I just feel again that the way that he elevated himself, and he made others better around him. I was hearing in your guys' first segment about Steph Curry. Now Steph Curry doesn't make guys better. Zach Wilson lifts guys. I mean, he got everyone to buy in to this all-in, relentless approach where it's like, hey, let's sacrifice going out on dates. Let's work. Let's grind. Let's make a name. Let's make a legacy. As he likes to say, prove them wrong to the doubters. He got the whole program to buy in because BYU football for the last decade or so, haven't done anything. People probably on the East Coast, they think of BYU probably Steve Young, Jimmy Man. Well, that's 40, 30 years ago. I mean, that's been forever ago. The last 10 years, BYU's done nothing. Zach Wilson finally gave BYU fans and the program something to get excited about. And that's because uh, I think he set the tone from a work standpoint and he lifted everyone around him and he got guys to buy on. I mean, he got guys that were once a preferred walk-on be selected as NFL draft picks this last weekend at wide receiver and Dax Mill is going to the Washington football team. So I just think that Zach Wilson is as a leader and I think that he's going to be someone that can carry a franchise and he's just got to be able to get the opportunity to show that that clutch factor because there has been examples where he has come up short but I think he always bounces back from adversity. It's not Steph Curry it's Steph Berry because that's what he does he buries his team. Josh was actually bringing up something when he told me that we were having you on that you actually broadcasted every Zach Wilson game from high school and in college so what were some of your favorite games that you have broadcasted and what are some of the biggest moments or funniest moments from those games especially in high school where it doesn't really get covered as much nationally as much. 
Yeah, it covered a lot of Zach Wilson in his career for sure. And, and, you know, every BYU game, I think one of the biggest things for me that I remember of his career was his first BYU spring practice. I just remember thinking just the arm talent was good then. I mean, and this was a guy that was an under the radar recruit. And you're thinking this guy's got the potential to be something special right away. His first start against Hawaii in 2018, this was BYU offense that barely could score any sort of points. He comes in the first game, gets his first career start, puts up 49 points, leads BYU's offense to a big day as the youngest starting quarterback in BYU history. I thought that was pretty noteworthy. He goes in the bowl game that same season, goes a perfect 18 of 18 and was just flawless. And it wasn't just dink and dunk screen pass because it was going downfield. I mean, 30 plus, 40 plus yards in the air. The receivers are making the catches, but he was putting in spots for them to make big plays. That was a heck of a performance. And then also, I think just some of his things off the field too, where again, the, the confidence that could be interpreted as little bit of cocky but just he always had this belief that he is the next level talent he is the star quarterback because again there were so many people around these parts that thought nope Zach Wilson is not the guy he just kept working he just kept grinding that to me will always kind of be my lasting image of Zach Wilson just that tireless work ethic because his family the mom and dad they're great people they're fantastic you get to know them at all they are great and it's just like a great family great family unit there at the Wilson family and I just think that that work ethic was top notch and to me, BYU's got a decorated history of BYU quarterbacks that come through the program. I think he's right there in probably the top four or five. He, he's an all-timer for sure, and he left his legacy for sure. Two-part for me, Mitch. What are some aspects of his game that worries you after seeing him in high school and, of course, college? What are some things that you might fear in regards to him going to the NFL? And my other part is, is he somebody that can start right away? Or is he somebody that maybe needs to sit and learn for a couple of games, and then you put him in slowly but surely? Yeah, I think the biggest thing for Zach that he's got to work on is when the pocket collapses, he's got to stay in the pocket because at BYU, last year especially, he was staying pretty much upright the entire time. BYU had a great offensive line. They had a top 70 draft pick this past weekend. Consensus All-American. They had a lot of good offensive linemen, including a undrafted free agent, Tristan Hodges, with the Jets now. Could maybe compete, be a deep sleeper maybe to compete for that right guard spot for the Jets. But Wilson didn't have much pressure. And when the pocket collapses, he's got to be able to stay in that pocket and make the big throws for the Jets. And also, I think just the injury history too, the shoulder and also the hand injury. He did have some extended periods where he was out due to injury and it completely impacted his stats from 2018, his freshman year to his sophomore. Those injuries, you saw a dip everywhere statistically across the board. Zach Wilson took a step back in his second year because of injury. So that's going to be something I'd be monitoring. But yeah, he's got to be the week one guy. I I think in a perfect scenario, because you look at all the great quarterbacks in the NFL and you look at their backgrounds, Mahomes, Brady, Aaron Rodgers, they all took a year or two to kind of learn from the older guy and then step in. Zach Wilson's just not going to have that luxury. So even if he's not ready, he's got to be the guy from day one because he has got the weight of the Jets franchise on his shoulders and he's got to be ready. And that's where, again, that work ethic's got to come into play. And he's got to know that playbook inside and out if he wants to give the Jets to have any have any chance to improve that win total in 2021. Over here in New York, Craig Carton interviewed Zach Wilson and said some Interesting things. He's been taking a lot of heat from it, being that he said that his mother was hot and Zach Wilson had nothing to say. And uh, I want to apologize for Craig Carton's stupidity because that's not something you say to a young kid when he gets drafted. That's not what he wants to hear. He just wants to hear about 
what he is. The fact that his mom is the center of attention on draft day had nothing to do with him being drafted. So I want to apologize. When you look at BYU football right now, and by the way, one of our fans asked me to ask you, the BYU mascot, the Cougar, what do you think about his dancing skills? Osmo is an elite dancer. <laughs> Seeing that man firsthand, I interviewed him after he got named the national champion. That mascot is no joke. The dude's doing some serious CrossFit boot camps. I don't know what it is, but he's nuts. I mean, he's he's next level in the dancing. He is top-notch mascot for sure. Well, the Jets need to hire him because they need a mascot to do something. I don't even know what their mascot is. I don't even know if they have one. I don't because think they I haven't been, they It's ridiculous. They maybe they should hire him. Head was one and that's done. Yeah, well, <laughs> he's definitely a mascot, a mascot of his stupidity. Anyways, my question to you is, when you see yourself as an analyst and broadcasting and all the stuff that you've done for BYU, have you ever thought about moving forward, maybe doing professional football or something of that magnitude? Definitely uh, pro, pro football, national college football for sure. I've always been more of a college guy. I love the NFL, but college football definitely for sure. National, I'm always open to anything. But yeah, covering BYU was something that's been a passion of mine since really I got started when I was like 19 years old and just been doing this wow. for a long period of time and built up a following and an audience for it. And it, it's great. BYU fans, it's amazing because they're a program that's outside the powered conferences and you would think, People, are they are they that passionate for a program that's outside the power conferences? But yeah, BYU has just a passionate following of fans, and it's connected to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and people have a deep bond and connection to BYU football and BYU sports, and it's a lot of fun. I enjoy it a lot, and the, the connections and the relationships. And really, too, one thing, and you guys will see it too, is Zach Wilson is a polished interview. He's fantastic, and it just seems like BYU, I don't know what it is about the place, but they're well-spoken guys they're likable individuals and even if they have some struggles you're going to be kind of like rooting for those guys just because they, they carry themselves in a great way on and off the field for the most part and it's just a lot of fun to cover it's a great program to cover and getting to cover guys like zach wilson who are next level talented it's fun to say to see each and every snap of those guys throughout their career well you're very talented i wish you all the luck in the world hey thanks guys appreciate hopping on and it was a lot of fun mitch before you go tell the fans how they can find you on social media yeah at mitch underscore harper or kslsports.com go check check it out so we'll be following a lot of jets content too and awesome. zach wilson stuff so i'll share my insight and thoughts on, on zach wilson throughout the process still so it's gonna be a lot of fun kslsports.com and at mitch underscore harper we definitely like to get you on as the new season begins we would love to talk a little byu football and your thoughts of zach wilson in the middle of the season you got it guys let me know Absolutely. Thank you very much, Mitch. Mitch Harper, ladies and gentlemen, great, great interview. Guy gave us some insight. He has a lot of personality. That's what you you want to hear that from from all different parts of the country. We've interviewed some of the the best analysts, and they just have no personality. No personality whatsoever. Mitch has personality. So that that's something I think he would fit perfectly here in New York to uh, broadcast or even analyze or be an analyst here for uh, sports media over here. What do you guys think? Yeah, I, I absolutely think so. I think he brings the personality, the swagger that he knows his content. He's quick on the answers. He doesn't overthink it. And I thought that was something that really showed. I mean, look, the kid, the guy has watched Wilson. I told Speedy this from high school and college. If anybody's going to give it, you know, as much information on the kid as possible, it's going to be this guy. And that's why I also asked him about the negatives about him. What are things that are some cons that he might have? And he brought up the there are the reasons of the injuries and the pocket presence and everything like that. But there are so many positives that Mitch brought up that he thinks he's going to fit right in in New York. What do you think, Speedy? 
Yeah, I think uh, definitely he's going to fit right in. I think uh, he brought it up perfectly with uh, that, that underdog mentality, that hardworking mentality. He lifts guys. He lifted his whole teammates. Uh, I know he was mentioning a lot of the other draft picks that got drafted, but they, again, they didn't have many. They had Brady Christensen in the third round, a couple seventh-round picks and undrafted. He really had to lift that team. And I think Mitch brought it up perfectly with the way his personality combined with his work ethic. He didn't get, didn't get too high or too serious one way. And that's the perfect kind of quarterback in today's game. Well, we can lift somebody. We can lift your underwear, as you know, on our uh, nice, beautiful logo. Uh, you know, <laughs> I was just going to say, he's already know. getting a wedgie on there. He's getting a wedgie, so we might as well lift you some more. How about that, Speedy? Well, uh, I don't know if Zach Wilson How about will. I smack you a couple I don't, times? I don't know How's if Zach Wilson will be interested in that. Where's the fly swatter? Do you yeah. still have that fly swatter? I do. I have a mega fly swatter that I've beaten Speedy on live radio before. So uh, maybe I'll do that as the, as the show progresses. I know I know Jeff would like me, uh, like me to smack Speedy around a couple of times, so maybe that'll happen. Speaking of Jeff, Jeff says, oh, Zach Wilson is so great. Oh, my gosh. Well, hold on. Hold on one second, Jeff. But we're, we got to go to break because we're going to have uh, two extra guests. Mm-hmm. Uh, my interns, very, very smart kids. And they're, both of them are very into football and some basketball. So we're going to have a little bit of banter with them. But before we do that, I will say this, Jeff, because you have your thoughts to Zach Wilson. Maybe because he's not a Patriot or maybe because <laughs> you got Mac Jones and that pissed you off. And we will get into that when we come back with the kids. But I will say this, man. For you to take shots at Zach Wilson when you don't know what he is and you don't know what he's capable of being, just because he played for BYU, we have seen quarterbacks come from small schools and developed into very good talent. And we've also seen great quarterbacks come from good schools and the top-end Heisman Trophy winners that didn't do anything. Mr. RG3 being one of them, being a top-two, top-three pick. Or how about this? Let's go back in time. Hey, hmm. Let's think of Heisman Trophy quarterbacks that have come into the league that really have done that. How about, How about Carl- Matt Leinart? Matt Leinart, Carlson Palmer, I, I don't know. Uh, Jason White was Jason one. Jason White, mm-hmm. um, uh, Vin, uh, Vincent, um, oh, who's the other one? Uh, the quarterback from Texas. Oh, Vince Young. Vince <laughs> Young. Vince Young. I'm sorry. All right. I'm a little tired. So there you go. So we can name a bunch of quarterbacks that came into the league from great programs that did nothing. Did nothing. So for you to take a shot at Zach Wilson because he comes from BYU, well, I know you hate the Jets, but that has nothing to do with the person that he is as a, as a quarterback. He is not Mark Sanchez. He's not Sam Darnold. He's not anybody. We don't know what he is. And until we figure him out, you can't take a shot at him and, and say, hey, he's not going to be any good. Why? Because he's going to be a Jet? I, that's because of well, – Dave, just... Dave McCann's probably going to praise him even more. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so Jeff, Jeff might have to tune it out at 11. <laughs> and by the way, uh, Jeff says Troy Smith – was the worst uh, worst one of them all. So. Yeah, but I don't think Troy Smith was like that early of a draft pick, though. I think he was a fourth or fifth round pick. Mm. He well, was the Heisman Trophy winner, but I don't think he was the as expected guy to be that guy like Vince Young was or anyone like that. Well, there you go. Um, when we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we will be talking to my interns, Jeffrey Sampson and Kyle Williams from guess where? Jamaica. Here on the Sports Loudmouths. You're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Sports Loudmouths. I'm your host, Daryl Marks. My co-host, Mr. Speedy Petey, Tidy Whitey Man himself, and Joshua Little J. Silverberg. 
Remember, you can listen to our show every single Wednesday and Thursday at 9 p.m., or you can call us at 631-965-4990. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app, ladies and gentlemen. If if you don't want to smell Speedy's underwear, well... Download the app because it does smell, by the way. Uh, you go to iOS, WWSRN, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. By the way, um, Mitch was awesome, guys. He was absolutely great, gave us some good insight, gave us some good information about Zach Wilson, and he he didn't really stutter. He didn't really stumble on anything that he said, and he does believe that Zach Wilson is going to be a good quarterback in the league. So uh, that's good no- good news to hear from a guy that's watched Zach Wilson since high school. So that's good news, and I know – I, I'll say this. This man over here, Josh Silverberg, absol- him and Eric Martini were in love with this kid. Absolutely in love with this kid. If this kid bombs here in New York, I'm smacking the hell out of both of you, okay? Because I am so sick and tired of the Jets drafting quarterback after quarterback after quarterback after quarterback and have nothing. So I'm hoping for your sakes that he's something. Anyways. I wanted these two guys to come on, and and these guys have been working really, really hard. Uh, they've been working as interns with me on for you know after offset with me and Speedy PD and, and CJ Desimone has been uh, very helpful with the interns and the internship that we do uh, for our network. And uh, I'd like to introduce them: Jeffrey Sampson and Kyle Williams. What's going on, Jeff and Kyle? I'm good. How are you? Well, I am good. good. I am good. I, I know you guys are good. Uh, one one of you guys, Kyle, is from Jamaica right now, uh, Jamaica, and uh, uh, Jeffrey is from Oakland, California. Yes, the gray and black, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, with the uh, Mister Gruden, or maybe a car or two. But anyways, um, I want to get into the NFL draft, and I. We didn't really get – we didn't have a show yesterday because we were working. We were fixing some things here in our studios. So I want to apologize to all the fans that uh, was expecting a show, but we didn't deliver it to them. So I, I want to apologize. So, Jeff, you first. Uh, I know you're a San Francisco 49ers fan. What did you think of Trey Lance, one? And number two, when you look at the draft in your top five draft classes, when you're trying to rate from one team to the other, who were your top five teams as far as you're concerned – in, in drafting this year? Well, for one, to start with the man, Trey Lance, I I love the pick. And the reason behind that, even though he played maybe around, I think, I want to say 19 games, he still managed to throw over like 2,000 yards. He threw 2,900 yards in the past season. And if you compare that to the other two candidates that the Niners are planning on drafting, Justin Fields and Mac Jones, is not that much. Even though they, even though uh, Justin Fields threw five thousand, Mac Jones threw six thousand. They have more games played than Trey Lance in the season. Trey Lance only played nineteen. The rest played almost full seasons. So that's just kind of an unfair um, comparison. But I really do love the draft. And as far as my top five teams, Niners, Jets, Dolphins. Ooh. I can't really think of the other two. That's like the top three that really come to my mind now. Niners? You picked the Niners in the top five? I don't know about that. Yeah. I would yeah. say that I would say the Niners in the top fifteen. I, I, I wouldn't even put them in the top ten. I, I they I, nah. I, I don't know what Trey Lance is yet. I think Trey Lance could be a good quarterback. On my list I, I put him at I think I put him at five or six. Um, I, we still don't know what he is. He, he barely had a season last year. Now he has tremendous talent, athletic ability, can run, he can throw. We know what he can do. 
but I I wouldn't rate them in a top five. I I I would I would disagree on that. But uh, uh, that's an interesting take. How about you, Kyle? Uh, what did you think of the NFL draft, and who were your top five teams uh, as far as you're concerned in rating uh, the top five in this year's draft? Well, I, I think the, 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 gra- the draft was very talented. Not as talented as last year, but very talented nonetheless. It was very saturated with offensive linemen. My, my top five teams for the draft were the Jets because well, they got their QB. They got a, um, a top offensive guard that can actually protect him. They dealt with that defense that was giving up how many points per game. And they just centrally made a better team. With, you know, with the draft picks. The Dolphins came to mind as well. They got even more weapons for, for Tua. They've brought in another tight, tight end, Hunter Long, so Gaseki can get her, get five minutes on the sideline. And, you know, you look at the Panthers, maybe they had a, maybe they had a good one. They didn't draft a QB, I don't think. No. I don't, I'm not sure if they should stick with Sam Darnold, seeing what happened at New York. But he could turn out to be a good um acquisition in the in the future. The Lions, they brought in um Jared Goff earlier in the season. They brought the first pick they used was Penesuel at offensive tackle to protect their new QB. And I thought with with the rest with the next exact pick with their second round pick, I thought they were going to go for a wide receiver, seeing that they lost Kenny Galladay in the offseason as well. And with even the um Broncos, even the Broncos they got Bridgewater. Um, they have Drew Lock. I thought they were going to go for weapons. They went for defense instead. Then they went for a right back, running back. Sorry. But yeah, Jets, Dolphins, Jets, Dolphins, Panthers. Maybe even the Jaguars can get that show. How about the Chargers? Got- How about the Chargers? How about the Browns? <laughs> well, great. the Chargers did address their their defense. They, because there, there are many games that Justin Herbert was balling, and they end up losing the game because of a shoddy defense. They, they did well in the draft as well, but you know, I still have to say the top three for me is the Jets, the Dolphins, and maybe the Jaguars can sneak in. Kyle, you're speaking my language. I always bash the Chargers as being the least clutch team in football. They lose in weird ways, and a lot of them, you're right, is mostly because of the defense. So, how about the other way around? How about the worst drafts? Who were some teams that you thought reached a lot, or maybe didn't stand out as much as they should for drafting as early as they did, or or a team maybe that had a lot of draft picks or something like that? Oh, I say uh, the Cow. Oh, sorry. I said the. Uh, uh, Hold on, Kyle. You go, you go Kyle. You go first, then you, Jeff. Yeah. Go ahead, Kyle. I'm a Cowboys fan, right? I'm a Cowboys fan. First pick, Micah, I'm okay with that. But over throughout the seven rounds of the draft, we still didn't address the safety position. And that's the part that's killing us because the deep ball is what we struggle with most, right? We needed to bring in another linebacker, some more people on the um to help that 4-3 defense, you know, and stop with the pass rush and everything. But... When that didn't work, right, we, we gave up constant first downs over and over and over. And when the deep ball, I, I even remember one with against Seattle. We should not have lost that game with the Seahawks. It was one deep ball to DK Metcalf, tear up my entire defense. And even with the pass rush, we brought in Micah Parsons, um, Osa, all of those people. When I saw last year, and I saw that they declined Van Der Esch's fifth-year option, when I saw last year and saw how Lamar sold them 
more than 10 hot dogs and went straight up the gut. Not one person saw him. And, and I started shedding tears so much. This could not be the Cowboys that I watched before. How about you, Jeffrey? What, what did you think? Who, who do you think were the losers this year? See, I agree with Kyle as well with the Cowboys because they could have, they really needed to address more of their DBs than their linebackers because they already had Vanderas. Not only that, but honestly, sitting here thinking, Team that, actually, yeah, no, just the Cowboys in general is that's like the main team that really pops in my head when it comes to losers. Not only that, also I'd say low key the Jaguars, just because they didn't they don't need another running back after James Robinson had a terrific season last season. I don't think they really needed to address that uh that running back role. They could have got another. They could have fixed their defense up a little bit. That one of the worst defenses last season. They could have fixed that online. They could have got Trevor Lawrence a new lineman, or they could have even got a new weapon. Truth be told, who like I can't I don't even remember their number one receiver right now. What is it? DJ um, Chark. Yeah, DJ Chark. Yeah. Not even a, barely a top five, not even a top five receiver. And now that I'm really remembering another loser I say is the Atlanta Falcons. Matt Ryan is not it right now, and they know it for a fact. And even though on paper Kyle Pitts, Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones sounds great, but they need a quarterback and Matt Ryan ain't it. You thought they should have taken what? Fields? Speedy, it's yeah. Josh's turn, you idiot. Go ahead, Josh. <laughs> I was going to say, what's a pick that you saw that surprised you guys in the first round? I mean, I'm sure the one, the one that surprised me is Alex. I mean, was I like Alex. I like Leatherwood. I just thought at that, at 17th overall, I think there were other players. I think it was a little bit of a reach for the Raiders. But again, that's what the Raiders do. They always seem to do wonky things. What was the surprise pick for you guys? Well, for me, you don't really have to ask. It's it's actually Trey Lance going number three. I actually thought they would go for a no-nonsense type of QB in Matt Jones. You know, my favorite was Justin Fields, but um, after seeing the pro days and the tapes, I knew he wasn't going to go in the top three. But yeah, it was surprising because Trey Lance, is, he, he finished 19 I know, in his um, college career. Fields 22. But I never saw him as the type of quarterback that the that Kyle Shanahan and his offense would have chosen. How about you, Jeff? What do you what did you think? Um, honestly, I wasn't expecting Justin Fields to drop down that far down to eleven and land in Chicago, honestly. Because the Panthers need a quarterback because Sam Darnold, although he's a good, he's a decent quarterback, but based off his history in New York, he's not a number one quarterback. I don't think he's a QB one at all. And the Broncos need a quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater is getting old. And Drew Locke is an it. Drew Locke is more of a practice player, in my opinion. And also the Falcons, because they need a younger quarterback. All three of those teams could honestly pick up Justin Fields, but, you know, they didn't decide to, so he dropped down to 11 to Chicago. I watched the draft, and, and, and by the way, it was a very interesting draft, and it, it kind of maneuvered. It, everybody thought that the first round was going to go bouncing back and forth. There were going to be trades. There were going to be things that were going to stand out, and it did. It, it was everything that we expected. Everything Once the third pick came in and Trey Lance was the guy, everything started falling together. And me and Jeff were practically dead on from 1 to 10, and then everything just went all over the place. And I really, what really stood out to me in the draft was the whole 
uh, Cowboys, Philadelphia, and Giants situation. Three teams that were drafting uh, 10, 11, and 12. They were right next to each other. That, that's how bad that division is. And yeah. the Cowboys sitting at 10, and, and the Cowboys knew that they were going to get Parsons. He was going to fall to them. If they traded back, they probably reached out to the Giants, and they asked the Giants, hey, listen, if you want Devontae Smith, you give us an extra third-round pick, and uh, we'll let you have him. But the, the Eagles uh, actually made a trade, moved up, and got Devontae Smith. It really pissed off a lot of Giant fans. As a matter of fact, if you watch social media, after that pick came in and Philadelphia was the team to draft Devontae Smith, I saw people putting their heads through walls, putting their hands through walls, their wives kicking the hell out of them after they put their hands through the wall. So, I mean, looking at the Giants and where the Giants position themselves, after losing Devontae Smith, I think they made the biggest move in the first round, trading down all the way to number 20. I, I don't agree with their number 20 pick, even though I think he could be a good wide receiver. I, I was very, very surprised, guys, that the Giants got as much as they got moving down nine spots and, and getting two first-round draft picks, getting a third, a fourth, and a fifth when the Jets moved all the way from 23rd to 14 with the Minnesota Vikings only had to give up a first and two-thirds. So what were you guys' thoughts with the first round, and what stood out to you? Honestly, that first, again, like you said, after that third pick, everything just went all over the place. You got the Raiders reaching for a lineman that they don't really need. They could have picked up another DB because that secondary is horrible. They could have got Lockwood Leatherwood at the second round, like everyone was expecting him to be picked up at. But surprisingly, the Giants did really good in this draft. They didn't really need a receiver, just based off the receiving core currently, though, but it's still a really good Hold on, up. hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Their receiving core relies on Sterling Shepard, Stinks, uh, Evan Ingram, who's still there. He's pot hands man, USA. He drops the ball. Saquon Barkley can't stay healthy. Okay, and Kenny Galladay got $76, million, who real, let's be honest, he's not a number one. He's a number two. He's a good number two. He is not a number one, and they overpaid for a wide, a wide receiver. They don't have a number one guy. They really don't. And I, I understand that Tony, Kadarius Tony, which Jeff loves very, very much, he thinks he's going to be a great player. Kadarius Tony, some people say could be a number one. Some people say he's another number two. So, I don't think the Giants did as well as you said they did. I thought their second-round pick was very, very good. They added another defensive player. I think that stood out to me. But I think the thing that stood out to me more than anything was trading trading down and getting as much as they did, uh, f- trading with the Bears uh, for Justin Fields. I think, I think that was a great move. And Giants, uh, by the way, Speedy is a Giant fan. What did you think? Well, again, I think I didn't like the pick of the of Tony but by by any means. I don't mind them trading back cuz I had those scenarios in mind if there were certain players off the board. I didn't expect Smith to be off the board. Uh it was interesting they traded back with still Slater on the board. I probably Slater would have been a nice pick, a great value pick in that situation, but Dave Gettleman apparently trusts a lot of these other offensive linemen that they drafted late in the draft. So again, who knows if that's going to work out. So I guess the, it's still to be determined with the rest of it. I love the pick of Ojulari. I think when healthy he's going to be the best pass rusher in this draft. Uh, I don't, I'm not crazy. I, I like Aaron Robinson, the player. I'm not crazy about the pick in that spot just because I don't think they need as many corners, but you can never have enough corner depth either. So I don't think it, I don't think it's as bad as people think, but still not great. Um, Jeffrey, just to allude to your other point with the, with the receivers, I want to just mention too, Kenny Galladay has been also 
being their best receiver has been somebody that's a really, he has two great games and then he'll disappear for a while. So that's definitely something worrisome. And these other guys really haven't stepped up consistently enough to be able to do that. Shepard is what he is at this point. He's a slot guy and Slayton was very up and down last year. So it's very tough to trust them, especially with Jones as his quarterback too. Josh, what did you think when you heard Mac Jones be announced as the new New England Patriots quarterback and then Zavin Collins going right after that to the Arizona Cardinals. What were your thoughts when you heard that Mac Jones is heading to New England? I thought, oh, crap, Jeff's going to punch somebody in the face if he finds him outside. should have heard what he said to me. (laughs) The text messages that he sent to me, the derogatory text messages he sent to me. Errol called me the moment that pick happened, and then as we're talking, we're both laughing hysterically. And then I thought it was a good pick. It's... Zavin Collins, ever like, and then Errol with that, with that, with that clown laugh that he has, it was great. <laughs> I thought it was funny. It was such karma with it. It was so funny because he ridiculed you constantly about the Mac Jones stuff, and he hated Mac Jones. I mean, look, I, despised I think, him. Oh, he just absolutely look. I think once Jones. Once the Patriots were up and Jones was there, I knew they were taking him. I 100% knew that was what was going to be the case because look at it this way. Nick Saban, you think about it, is almost like a is almost like a guy that's prepping them to go to New England, right? Because Belichick and Saban are best friends because Saban was the defensive coordinator for Belichick in Cleveland. So when you look at it that way, it's almost like he preps them to go to the Patriots and that so forth. I just wanted to go back quick on the – with the with the trade you talked about, how you were surprised the Giants got what they got, and that the Jets trade did. Yeah, it was. Now the now the now the thinking that I thought about it was, and I actually spoke to to Speedy on the phone as well. When those trade ups happen, I think what the Giants are thinking is, okay, you're trying to select a quarterback, therefore the value is going to go up because we know what you're trying to get at that pick being a quarterback. Whereas the Vikings knew what the Jets were trying to get, which was an offensive lineman, especially a guard. So I think the value kind of I don't agree with that. I, I beg to differ. When you, You're moving nine spots, moving up nine spots. You're moving up nine spots. Well, well that's fine. It also it, depends on the position and urgency I of, disagree. of different things of people around them. I it disagree. can happen with any position too, Josh. So it, it, it can happen where you're just trying to – the main goal of trading up is to, one, get your guy, but also, two, steal from who is in, right in front of you. No, absolutely. That, that's absolutely the big thing. But I look at it as a value thing. I, I think when the Giants are with it, what the Bears are trying to trade up to get – I think when you kind of see what the Vikings knew, what they were trying, I understand it's about how many spots you're trading up and you want to get your player and everything like that, you know, but I also look at it as in a perspective of the Giants knew what Chicago wanted when they called. They said, okay, I know you want the quarterback. We're going to be able to get this and this and this from you because you want that quarterback. Whereas I think if the Vikings said to the Jets, we want this and this, then the Jets might have been like, now nah, there's other offensive linemen in this draft. We could just sit and wait then. We could have gotten Darisol. We could have got other guys. And again, it's even their field. It was Jones. Hmm. And he keeps going. You were going in and out. You were going in and out. I don't even know what you said. You went, it's like a mouth. You look like a Godzilla. Godzilla. You know, like one of those, you know, so. Hey, it's a go. great movie. That was classic, baby. Well, uh, Silver Smiggins, so that was the best one. Well, just throwing it out. There you go. I, I just wanted to mention uh, some of the comments uh, to you guys. Uh, mm-hmm. you, uh, Jeffrey, especially, you were mentioning a lot about the Jaguars. Um, uh, Jeff, was, Jeff was saying Chark, Chenault, and Marvin Jones. Uh, 
as young wide receivers. Marvin Jones is a veteran, but the other two young wide receivers. And uh, Carl also asked, how is ETN not a weapon? Uh, I agree with you to your point with drafting the defense. Um, do you, can you just el- elaborate more on, on the weapons that Trevor Lawrence now has and why you don't trust them maybe as much or maybe were, why they weren't worth that kind of draft value? Well, I'm not necessarily saying that the, their drafting was bad. It's just the fact that, for one, their defense is – they had one of the best defenses back in – I was I want to say 2016 or 2017? 2017, With yes. With Jacksonville. Yeah, it was Jacksonville. That was like one of the greatest defenses I've seen that whole entire year. And to go from that to what they have now, I feel like they really needed that really awesome. Even though their offense still wasn't all that, but it's starting to get better though now. I, forgot, I completely forgot about Marvin Jones Jr. But I don't see DJ Chark and other. I forgot his name. Well, that's got Nothing there, my Yeah, <laughs> I'm not. I don't really want to say they're bad because they're not bad receivers at all. They're in the NFL and they're starting at their respective spots. But at the same time. Like, do you really need a running back? Yeah, that was definitely a weird pick. I think, Jeffrey, I know you were mentioning a lot of the defense, especially Jeremiah Wusu, who fell all the way to the Browns in the second round. That would have been a great spot for the Jaguars. Also, a lot of the corners that were left with Newsome. Maybe Asante Samuel Jr. definitely could have gone in that direction. You were even saying offensive line. They even took an offensive line. It reached really badly on Walker Little in the second round. So he was supposed to be like a third or fourth round pick. So even the one offensive lineman they did get was... Not a good pick, and he's injury prone. So, and, and here's another thing: I, I watching the draft. A lot of people were taking shots at the Bengals drafting Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase is a playmaker, and you lost AJ Green. You lost a significant amount of of talent offensively. Yes, you need an offensive. You need offensive linemen to pr- protect Joe Burrows. They added some to free agency. They still have. They drafted a guy a couple of years ago in Williams, who they still depend and and, and think very highly of. And they added some guys in the, in the second and third round offensive lineman. When you get a guy like Jamar Chase, Jamar Chase can help you in the open field. And remember the 60 touchdowns to Joe Burrows through the year that he won the Heisman Trophy and he won the national championship? Guess where 20 of them went to? Jamar Chase. And that could change the whole outlook and the whole scheme of the Bengals moving forward offensively for many, many years to come, Speedy. Yeah, and it's, it, a lot of the dilemma was, do they take offensive line there? Do they take wide receiver there? I still I still was in the boat of taking Sewell, but they made it work, too. And, and they got a, a second-round offensive tackle in Jackson Carmen. They got really good value in the third round with Jose Adai. Uh, Jose, uh, my bad, with the pass rusher out of Spit Texas. Spit it out, Speedy. Yeah, and... They made that kind of thing work, filling all the needs, and also got the guy that has this high upside, too, with Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase, remember, was also the best player in that national championship game, too, against Mm -hmm. some good Clemson corners, a good Clemson overall defense that was even better than their defense this year with with the undefeated team. So they... Jamar Chase, can, even though he sat a year for a while, is still very developed into what he is. He's not raw. He's well-rounded. And a lot of people were concerned about his speed, too. And I think uh, him running the 4-3-8 just justified him as that beast of a receiver that that fast for his size julio jones type of receiver that he could be so both of you uh kyle we'll start with you first do you think the Bengals made the right decision in taking jamar chase over panay sewell and also uh, would if you were to take sewell like what do you think they would have been able to do with that do you like their draft as a whole yeah i do, I do like the Bengals draft they went for a skill player first which they need somebody else to catch it now that aj green is gone from joe burrow um Yes, they could have gone for Penesul earlier. Well, not earlier, but with their fifth pick and sought out the offensive line. But 
you have to look at it again. Like if you fix, you can fix the offensive line all you want, but if the receivers aren't ca- good enough caliber, then what's the point of passing the ball? You might as well just be a run run offense first, second, and third down, and just see out the game like that. Now they address their offensive line. Jackson Carman, as you said, they selected a new center in Trey Hill, and he, the defensive with Joseph Asai, as you as you also alluded to. But I think the Bengals actually did themselves a good service. They won't finish. What was it? Four and four eleven and one. Four eleven and one. They won't finish like that like, this season again. They might. I'm. I'm not going to put them up in a winning caliber. Maybe they finish six and ten. Maybe seven and nine. Hmm. Yeah, that's a tough division. How about you, Jeff? I actually, I now that I really think about it, I sit down. Penesul would have been a really good pick for the uh, for the Bengals, but Jamar Chase is probably the best option, especially because him and Joe Bar already have a connection together. Mm-hmm. And not to mention, kind of like what Kyle said, they are they drafted in the, a new old tackle. They uh, drafted Jackson Carmen, Dante Smith, and also Trey Hill, all of what they need. And also they adjusted with their defense as well, knowing how bad they are too. So I really like their draft pick. I'll tell you a team that did very, very well, and I want to know your opinion, Josh, is is the Chicago Bears. I mean, the Chicago Bears did very, very well. They gave up a lot to move up all the way to number 11, and they got Justin Fields. And a lot of people on a lot of people's boards, some people say that Justin Fields is a top top two pick, a, a top two quarterback in this draft class. And then in the second round, getting Jenkins, they, they get their offensive line help that they need. Some people say he has small arms. Some people, but he's mean. I, I've, I've read some stories. I, I loved him going into the draft. He was a guy that I thought the Jets would be very interested into. And, and by the way, Jeff was right. The Jets sitting there, I know you guys like Elijah Moore, and Elijah Moore is a first-round great, but I think the Jets could have solidified their offensive line drafting Jenkins or somebody else, maybe a Humphreys uh, in the second round, where it would have solidified their offensive line for many, many years to come. They could have found themselves a wide receiver moving forward in the third and fourth round. So Jeff was right about that. What were your thoughts, Josh, in uh, with the Bears draft, and where do you see the Bears moving forward next year uh, when the season begins? I think it was an unbelievable value pick. I mean, that's what it was. Did they trade a lot? Sure, but it's a quarterback – um, you know, it's a quarterback lead. It's a quarterback that was needed for them that needs to put them over the top. Look, Eddie Dalton was the only other option. So for me, I thought that was a perfect pick for them. And then getting Tev Jenkins in the second round, he was a guy that I really liked for the Jet uh, for the Jets. Um, instead, he goes to the Bears, and they're trying to solidify that quarterback position. I mean, look, what do you think of Bears quarterbacks? <laughs> it's tough the last couple of times. I mean, Jim McMahon is – well, as great as he was in all, I mean, he didn't get to solidify the career that he wanted with injuries and everything of that sort. And doing drugs. Yeah, Product that's the 85 too. Bears. They have the best defense <laughs> yeah, of all so, time at like, Walter you know, it, it, it's, all, it's all about just, that, you know, they got they had the trip. But look, if they feel that that's their quarterback and that's their guy, you have to do everything you possibly can to get that guy in the building. That's the whole point. That's how you – listen, Matt Nagy and, and all those guys, that's their jobs are on the line, you know? So – you know, I mean, their jobs yeah, are. We do hard. know. Do you know? <laughs> I know. You know. We all know. How's that sound? <laughs> I think there were a couple of teams that were pushing in in the first round, and what I mean by that is they were they were looking at players, and they they really 
My cat's almost escaped. Sorry. Well, congratulations. <laughs> um, Snug's favorite moment of the show. I think uh, I, I know a lot of people like Caleb Farley. Caleb Farley has a lot of talent. This is a yeah. guy that's had two back surgeries already. He kid's 20 years old. He's not 100% healthy. And now he was drafted a little too high, I think. I think he should have fell to the second round with I the injuries with that he had. Uh, 22 to the Tennessee Titans, who needs a corner. They needed corner help, but I probably would have went after Newsom. The fact that Newsom fell to 26 to the Bears, I mean, to, to the Browns, I mean, not only did they win in the first round, they solidified their secondary for many, many years to come with Hearn and now him. So that was very interesting. Also, I think the fact that Rashad Bateman uh, was drafted in front of Elijah, uh, Elijah I'm Moore. sorry, Moore, Moore from the New York Jets in the second round was a little, uh, I think you were reaching. I think Minnesota was reaching. I mean, I'm sorry, the, uh, the Baltimore Moore. Ravens were reaching um, when it came to Rashad, um, Rashad Bateman. So now I'm not saying Rashad Bateman is a talented player. He, he, I watched a couple of games with him this year. He looks like he's a, he's a powerhouse, but I think Elijah Moore could do a little bit more in the open field and he has better hands than Bateman. So what were you guys thoughts? Did, was anybody reaching in the first round? What was, and if they were, I, I know you're going to say Kadarius, Tony, Speedy, we all know yeah. what you think. But do you does anybody think that there were certain teams reaching uh, where they were picking? You first, Josh. Right. Then Jeff. Oh. Then Kyle. I would even you know the first round. I mean, look, I brought up Blood Award earlier. I think he's somebody that you look at that he they could have gotten him in the second round. Kayla Farley is another one. When you have two back surgeries at a very young age, it's quite frightening, right? Because that's a lot to hinder on a draft pick. You know, I know we're talking about first rounds, but the one thing that really sticks out to me, not enough people – I mean, was, was was David Mills, the quarterback out of Stanford, being picked by the Houston Texans. It's a matter of where did the where are the Texans going now? Is this now his team? Is Deshaun completely out of the picture? So that's something that I, I, I'm fascinated by the whole situation of that because I saw them picking him out. Okay, I, I guess – Deshaun is uh, not in the picture anymore. Mm-hmm. I guess that's done with that, and they're going to move on. And because you don't take, I mean, we don't know if he's going to be the guy. But the problem is, Texans didn't have a draft pick to what the third round, mm-hmm. so <laughs> they didn't have a pick to get a quarterback. That's the problem. Because the great Bill O'Brien. The problem. So it was just, I just found it to be interesting. And again, the Caleb Farley stuff, Alex. How about Peyton? Tur- uh, how about Peyton uh, Turner going? Uh... Uh, going uh, to the Saints. I thought that was a reach, too. They do that a lot at times, the Saints. They do wonky things. They, they it, it, To me, in the first round, look, as nice as a player as, as, as Dav- Marcus Davenport's been, even some people were like, I mean, that was kind of with the injury history that he had before coming out was a little bit interesting. That the was bi- the bigger problem with that was more the trade, I think, giving up the extra first-round well, pick. Yeah. yeah, I think I think Green Bay. I think the steal of the draft in the first round was Gregory Russo going uh, to 30, mm-hmm. falling all the way to 30 to the Buffalo Bills, and yeah. adding to that dynamic defense. Uh, they're going to be a scary defense. Buffalo got a nice pass rush in the second round, too, with Basham. Who was the guy that – who did the Dolphins take from Miami? Jalen uh, Phillips. Lyman. So do you, do you did you like that pick? Because a lot of people were very mixed on that pick. I think I think I think Jalen Phillips was uh, overrated going into this draft. I think Russo is going to be a better pass rusher in yeah, this league. I agree. 
Yeah, I thought it was a reach in that spot, too. Definitely at 18. The Dolphins could have done a lot of other things that I think would have been more value, especially with their offense, what was available, both either with the running backs or maybe even doubling up on the wide receivers. Even though they took Jalen Waddle, they could definitely have used more depth. And like you were saying, Josh, there were a lot of offensive linemen available. They could have taken Jenkins in that spot. You could have taken Jenkins. You know, I mean, you know, Darasol was you. I mean, there was there were a couple. I mean, there were a ton of guys that were even that were still available later in the draft. I'm not a Darasol fan. I think he's got short arms and he doesn't really the past rushing time that's my biggest issue with him but I mean there was just so much there I I don't know look people give out these grades right we always want to read after the draft is over whoa what did, what did these teams get as a grade what did they get as a grade who cares what the grades are if the players suck then it doesn't even matter the grades were meaningless then right it's all about development well you know? let's yeah. ask Mel Kuyper on how he grades things <laughs> <laughs> and how they turn out to be Jeff you can't talk to him now man he's already locked up in the basement for the 2022 draft what do you, uh, come on, I'm man. sorry because Jeff says he's right half the time or most of the time and that's why he has a job at ESPN and we don't so <laughs> yeah. I love you Jeff Jeff's watching all the film on the 2022 that's quarterbacks right. I, just, I would, just prepare to I would actually I would actually listen to Jeff more than Mel Kuyper. I think think Jeff knows. I think Jeff knows more about college football than Mel Kuyper does. Oh, by far. That's not even a question. But anyways, um, how about you guys? First, uh, I'll go with Jeffrey. What was your what What was your thoughts in the first round? Was anybody reaching in the first round in your thoughts? And who was it? And is there a particular player that stood out to you in the first round that you think is going to be really, really good? Jeff, you first. Kyle, you second. Okay, so for one, I believe that the Cardinals kind of reached with Zayvon Collins. Wow. Because already that, yeah. Oh, Jeff's not going to like that one. Wait, 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 wait. After losing Patrick Peters, who other um, cornerback Fitzpatrick, or Kirk Fitzpatrick, I don't think he's really like without someone else that left side or right side he's on it's not going to be apparent so I feel like they could have picked up Greg Newsom if anything mm-hmm. instead of Devin Collins and then a player that really stands out to me is Najee Harris I've been following him since high school since I was in high school we're both in high school I've been really following him and so I feel like he's a good pick for the Steelers I feel like he could have been up a little bit though but who takes the running back in the first round how about you Kai well I think the cheese has reached you know, Green Bay, as usual, didn't pick a skill player for their, I want to say, top five all-time QB, Aaron Rodgers. You know, I I, I shudder to really understand why they keep – What you don't need a cornerback, no. You don't need one, no. What you need is somebody other than Devontae Adams who can catch the ball deep and in tough coverage. Like – I heard before in the offseason that I think they weren't going to re-sign Aaron Jones. Running back is a position you could go for, right? You don't need a corner, but no. You don't need one, no. You could have waited second or even mid-third round to get one. I will say this. I will say this. Eric Stokes uh, from Georgia being drafted from Green Bay, a lot of people thought he was a uh, early second round talent. I think that he fits what they are trying to do, especially with their secondary. Uh, they have a good, they have a very good corner and Williams over there. And, and who's the other Jair guy? Alexander. Alexander. I'm sorry. Alexander. Top five corner in the league. Yes. Right now. Uh, I think adding another guy uh, of his magnitude. And this has been a problem for green Bay for many, many years is there's their secondary has been besides that. They'll have one good secondary play, player or one good corner or, or two good, uh, two good linebackers and no good corners, and they never right. win. Mm-hmm. They never win. 
And defense wins championships. As far as Aaron Rodgers is concerned, he's not going to be a Green Bay Packer after June. He's either going to be hosting Jeopardy or he's going to be playing for the Broncos. Everybody knows that. I think it's it's going to be all uh, it's going to be all up to Jordan Love moving forward uh, with this organization, and, and and that to me is so much to be true. So as far as Zavin Collins, by the way, uh, I disagree with you, Jeff. Zavin Collins is the uh, to me. One of the best pass rushers in this draft. I think he's a great defensive player. You put him over there in Arizona with their front seven. You put him over there. You could put him at safety. Uh, he'll be a big safety. He's very fast. He can be very. He's very good at defending in the open field, and he can go and get get you and sack the quarterback. So uh, he fits perfectly like a glove over there with the defensive pros, uh, prospects that they have over there. Mm-hmm. They they needed to add some secondary help. Uh, they added some of that in the later rounds. I think Arizona absolutely was a winner in this year's draft. Rondell Moore, too, in the second round was a nice pick. Brown, you mean. Uh, you mean Rondell Bro- Moore. M- Moore, I'm sorry. Um, uh, again, they added the wide receiver that they needed, a slot wide receiver, and they added uh, a very good a very good uh, team player. And, and, and if anybody didn't hear the Twitter uh, the Twitter speech that he had with the coach, um, what was the coach? I'm sorry, the GM. Uh, who's the GM of Steve Kahn? Steve Kahn. He was on. He was on the phone with Zayvon Collins, and and when he actually reached out to Zayvon Collins, it was very interesting. Very, uh, very, very. Uh, what's the word? Enthusiastic. And not enthusiastic. He was crying. Zayvon. Emotional. Uh, emotional guy that is big and he's strong and he he's like a teddy bear. And I I think. Uh, I think the kid's going to be fantastic over there in Arizona. I think Arizona is going to have a talented young bunch of front uh, seven players, front seven in their defense. I think they're going to be very good. What a chess game they could play, too, uh, with their defensive coaching with Simmons and with Zayvon Collins now, who could play all over the place. That is going to be quite a game plan nightmare for a lot of those teams, too, if Vance Joseph knows what he's doing. And if he doesn't know what he's doing, that's going to hit on him. <laughs> Really quick, when you you know when you talk about getting the cornerback for Green Bay, I understand Green Bay. You know, do they need receivers and all that? Of course they do. They absolutely do. Other than Devontae Adams, but that's the beauty of the quarterback that Aaron Rodgers is. He tries to create as much as he possibly can with what he has. Go back and watch that NFC Championship game, and go see the player that cost them that game. Okay, Aaron. Did Aaron Rodgers have the best game? No, but he tried to lead them back into it. Go back right before halftime and go watch Kevin King, okay? Kevin King is one of the main reasons Green Bay lost that game. He let the guy breeze right by him, not once but twice in that game, and they lost the NFC Championship In the words of Mike Francesa, he stinks! He stinks! He stinks! (laughs) He does. Clam up! Yeah. All right? (laughs) Uh, I'll tell you this, and... And and he was a good player when he was drafted. I, he was. I remember he was, in Washington, I think he was, he was an all pro player. I think he, yeah. I think it was an all pro player his first. Well, that year. was a disaster right before the half to let that happen, and that was all because he stopped because he thought there was coverage behind him. Little did he know that there was absolutely nobody behind him, and he misread the play. The play call didn't the play call didn't help in that spot situational either. I mean, you should always at least have one guy or two guys That's deep fine, on, on that side too. When speedy, when you're giving the guy already five yards off the line, oh, of I agree. The anticipation is to not let him beat you. You don't beat your guy before the half. Look, go look at the Jets Raiders game. Okay, <laughs> it's a, I mean, I mean, come on now. There's so much to watch on that game. Jesus oh, Christ. Right. Let's go. I mean, let me that was go. half of Henry Ruggs receiving yards last year. Oh, God. I mean, it was, but that's the thing. Like, you know what to do in that in that play. Like, you you know what you're supposed to do. You don't let the guy beat you, mm-hmm. especially ten yards down the field, right before the half in the NFC Championship game. 
Mm-hmm. And he did, he did it not once, he did it twice in that game. <laughs> well, that's not saying much. And I, I do like Najee Harris. I I, I just yeah. think the I think the Pittsburgh Steelers shouldn't have drafted a running back in the first round. No. I think they have a lot of deficiencies on their offensive line to protect Ben Roethlisberger moving forward. This is an old man, a 37, 38-year-old man. They lost some offensive linemen. Uh, they lost a pass rusher this offseason. I think they could, even though there's not a lot of, they could have had a Rousseau. I think that would have been a bargain over Secondary there. Secondary, too. They could have had a new. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think there was a lot of guys that would have fit, and and Najee Harris maybe wouldn't have fit, f- fell in the second round. Maybe he wouldn't have fell to the second round. Maybe maybe not. But is Najee Harris a guy that you're going to depend on moving forward? Being that he's a running back, I think he's very talented. I I I don't know if any running back deserved to be a first round talent this year. I, I think no offense, and I'm not saying that uh, uh, Travis isn't good, and I'm not saying that Najee Harris isn't good. I just think that there shouldn't have been a running back drafted it, with all the talent that there was available in this year's draft. I think there should have been a lot more offensive linemen drafted yeah. in the first round than running backs. Yeah, the discrepancy is definitely big with the talent of the running backs and, and the value of where they are going. Look at Humphreys getting drafted now. from Kansas City. Right, and centers generally fall like that, too. And he was, to a lot of people, the best center Dickerson on the board. fell in the f- second, second round? Second round, early second round of the Eagles. Yeah, it was definitely strange. I, definitely with Jacksonville. I, I know, Jeffrey, you alluded to this, too. Uh, they With all they need on defense, how they passed up on the value of a Newsome or a, a Wusu, the linebacker, to just make Trevor Lawrence happy. Yeah, you could do that to some extent, but you're, when you're that rebuilding of a team like the Jaguars are, you need so much where you can't just tend to the players all the time to be able to do that. Maybe you, maybe if ETN's still available in the second round with that second pick, uh, I know they drafted Tyson Campbell, who's a pretty good corner, but they could have maybe done that or maybe even traded back and gotten him later. But yeah, it's definitely strange on on that front. And the Steelers as well. I thought secondary with Newsom could have been there, even Trayvon Morig in that spot as, as a safety could have been a nice pick for them. Uh, an edge rusher definitely could have been, even though the edge rushers in their system have been good for the most part, but still I think, yeah, Harris, I think he wouldn't have been there probably in the second pick, but they could even trade it up. So I couldn't believe how far Morig fell. I can't believe he fell that far. Well, that and was, it took a safety before before Morick too. That was you know, the other and, and he was one of my favorite players in this draft. Uh, he flies to the football. And he's he's a leader on the field. By the way, he's a general on the field, and especially in the Big Twelve Conference, which generally there isn't much defense to play. The defense that he did in that conference mm-hmm. says a lot. Well, th- there was a lot of teams that reached, but we see that every single year in the play in, in the draft. Uh, they they fit what they feel is need. Some teams look at it, the best player available. Gettleman has been known to do that. And, and, and I was very surprised that Gettleman trade back twice in this year's draft. Maybe learning, up in the third. <laughs> maybe learning something from Joe Douglas or some other guys like Bill Belichick or – or, or or the other all the other good GMs in the league. He has another twenty so, years to learn for that. that. I'm sorry. You what would want to think that. Well, <laughs> again, again, I think I thought it was very interesting, and I I think there was a lot of teams reaching as the the Jets reached uh, later in the rounds. I think with Sherman and uh, Sherwood. I'm sorry, and and some of the different players that they've they added in the later rounds. But I think being that they drafted as good as they did in the first four rounds, I think the Jets really won in this draft. I really do. I, mean, I, I, I think San Diego Jets- won in this draft. I think yeah. they won. Uh, yes, I know Speedy. San Diego won in this draft. Uh, Miami won in this draft. Um, I would say the Browns won in this draft. Um, who else did I think? I think Kansas City won in this draft as well. I think. They I mean, I think well. what the Jets were trying to do is I understand that Everybody was like complaining, oh, they're going DB, DB, DB. But the thing is, in Salah's defense in San Francisco was a lot of hybrid players. 
safety, linebacker, corner, and they'll even make them edge rushers at times. So that's what the Jets are trying to get. I believe, I forget what it was, Pro Football Focus had the Jets. I think got the, I think they led the draft in like fastest average players that they drafted combined. In first the three. Fight. The first three rounds, it's the highest rating it's- of a team in the, in the first three picks that a team drafted with 90, with rated 90 or above. The Jets are the first team in draft history to draft three players with grades 90 or above. No, but it wasn't even that. It was also fastest players that they got in this draft as well. That was the thing, too. I think they were ranked number one in fastest players on average from speed in this draft that they got with all their DBs that they got, along with more, which, of course, Elijah Moore is lightning fast. So of course, when you get that, that's going to happen. Let's hope. Let's hope he's as good as you guys think he is. Because uh, if he doesn't, uh, guys like Jeff are going to eat you up alive. Trust me. Oh, I, listen. I, I all I said was I liked Elijah Moore. I, I didn't tell the Jets to pick him, really? <laughs> and not me. Because you know, I, I didn't draft him. Yeah, I, didn't tell, I didn't tell Jones. I was say, "Hey, go pick Elijah Moore." Speaking <laughs> of Jeff, he's on the phone. What's going on, Jeff? Who is this man saying Zayvon Collins was a reach? I demand an apology. (laughs) (laughs) He's an intern. He's a good kid. He's lightweight of a. I'm just saying he's lightweight of a reach. It's kind of a reach. Not saying he's necessarily a huge reach, but I just feel like they could have addressed something else a little bit more than the other spots. So I'm not saying it was a bad pick at all. They. Obviously, like Errol said, he's versatile as hell. He can move anywhere he wants, honestly. But I just feel like that cornerback spot really needs a little light on it. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, I didn't hear anything he said. Well, what he said, not- what, he's, what, he, what he pretty much said is that uh, Zavin Collins, he didn't say he was bad. He just thought he was uh, – he he thought he was drafted a little too high. He said that – All right, uh, well, 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 here's the question for him. Mm-hmm. What school did Zayvon Collins go to? No one answer except for him. What school did he go to? What school did he go to, Jeff? Tulsa. Tulsa, he said. How many minutes of Tulsa football did you watch? How many minutes of Tulsa football did you watch? <laughs> I don't know. I probably watched like one quarter, if that. He said one quarter, game. if that. That's maybe, what he said. One maybe quarter, one if quarter that. Quarter well, that just sums up about the extent of your knowledge of anything about Zayvon Collins or him winning the Buckus Award for best linebacker <laughs> or leading one of the nation's top defenses. You watched one quarter and you think he was a reach. Congratulations to you. You know nothing. I said it was wild way to reach. You don't have to get at me like that, though. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say it was a huge reach, like the like the Raiders. Like, come on now, Jeff. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to get like that with me, though, bro. Come well, on, Jeffrey. He he he's a fan that's very high on Zayvon Collins. He he does this to everybody. It's not just you. That's his personality. But uh, uh, listen, Jeff, you have you have a right to your own opinion. Uh, obviously, no, 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 no. It's not. It's not just my opinion. He admitted he watched one quarter mm-hmm. of football. Mm-hmm. What, what what? Listen. I don't care if it was Trevor Lawrence who was drafted one or Zach Wilson, who you love. If you watch one quarter of football of any of these guys and develop an opinion, you're a dummy. <laughs> and ha, ha, ha. Jeffrey, yeah. Jeff, by the way, you guys have both, <laughs> you, you're both with the name Jeff. So that's pretty funny. And, and by the way, Jeffrey, um, uh, I will say this. I told you when you come on the show, you're going to have, you're going to have fans. They're going to take shots at you. You just got to bite your tongue. And, and just take your, you know, you're not, you're not the only one that gets picked on. Josh Silverberg, uh, um, one of my co-hosts, 
Uh, he gets picked on all the time. So, yeah, but at least Josh now has an excuse. Adam Schefter just admitted he have the he has the same source as Josh does. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, baby. Adam Schefter and I we talk. Play, let me tell you something. Oh, they may be for lunch tomorrow. You want to join, Jeff? No. <laughs> I, I, if I want to sleep, I'll listen to Adam Schefter. <laughs> I mean, I mean do, like, you're right about that. <laughs> I mean, l- l- I think that that's a fair assessment to say. If you just watch one quarter of football of anybody and develop an opinion, you're probably wrong. <laughs> well, Wait, what you tell me is you sat there and watched the full season of straight pulses. Is that what you're telling me right now? What he's telling you is yes, he, he's a he's a big Zayvon Collins fan. I don't think he watched the whole season, but he's a big college football guy and uh, dude i watched almost every tulsa game there you go he watched every that, single tulsa game that dude was dry humping quarterbacks up and down the field that dude lived in opposing the uh, offense's backfield he lived there <laughs> well you know he has a right his own opinion maybe he's wrong you know, and, and and obviously we we practically all three, four or five of us disagree with him. But hey, he's got a right of his own opinion. And yes, he watched one quarter, Jeff, and, and you can't really judge a person. But you can watch clips. We've seen people watch clips. Clips don't really sell a player. I, I've heard enough over the last couple of years of players trying to compare Kevin Durant to Michael Jordan because they watch <laughs> clips of Michael Jordan. Okay. Leave the beef out of this. Leave the beef out of it. It was a beef. It was uh, a guy named Mike on our our network. If you know who I'm, Mike Guido, who who came out <laughs> oh, and said, "Oh no, yes, Mike Guido," that said, <laughs> Mike Guido, that said he watched. He he's, he wasn't even alive to see Michael Jordan play. He said that he watched clips, and he believes that. Kevin Durant was a, is a better all-around shooter than Michael Jordan because of clips. And that's not even this crazy. He, he said Vlad Jr. was going to be better yes, than Vlad Jr. Are you out of your mind? I was just going to say that. Network. <laughs> Nobody said Mike Guido was the smartest guy. That's for sure. I'm just throwing that. I mean, come on. I mean, I don't even like, – but I don't even care. Like, saying that Zayden Collins is a reach is, is blasphemous. How about the guy last week that was like, oh, he's a late-round – he's a late-second-round pick. How'd that work out? Well, he was wrong. We all thought he was wrong, and that was Gal. And and by the way, he was a great interview. He was just wrong. And, and listen, everybody's everybody's got a right to their own opinion. Look, Mel Kiper has been feasting on it for I don't know forty, fifty years in ESPN, and still making money doing it. Mean, and I heard your I heard your Mel Kiper quip too. And you got to admit, <laughs> dude. Listen, listen. Everybody ha- everybody's wrong at some point. And yes, Mel Kiper has been spectacularly wrong about some people, but he's right a whole lot more than he's wrong. I would agree as the ground as the rounds go further he's right a lot you know in the third fourth and fifth rounds in the first rounds he he sometimes he just strikes out man he strikes out Yeah but out. you want to know what like you want to know what here's the best example of that you mentioned Matt Nagy yes. oh Matt Nagy and, yes. and the Bears and yep. and Ryan Pace oh Ryan Pace should be on the hot seat mm-hmm. okay Ryan Pace is missed in the first round go look at Ryan Pace's drafts 3 through 7 it's hall of fame worthy I, I agree with you. I'm not I'm not taking shots. First of all, I thought the Bears did very, very well in this year's draft. I thought they did very, very well. And I think moving forward, the Bears have positioned themselves uh, and solidified themselves in the top seven this year in draft. And Andy Justin Fields really solidified themselves. We got to go. Uh, by the way, Jeff and uh, Kyle, you guys did a great job. I'll see you guys on Monday. Great job, boys. Yeah, awesome job. Zayvon Collins is a reach. See you later. <laughs> Bro, we don't get no Tulsa 
Jeff, we don't get Tulsa games out here. We don't, <laughs> I, 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 I only watched one quarter. We don't get Tulsa in the West Coast. Jeffrey, Jeffrey, don't let it. This is what he does. I told you, you're gonna get used to this. You're gonna get. You're gonna get your shots taken at you. You just gotta bite your tongue, or you know, get them back. You know, Jeffy. The one thing about Jeff, and I, I, I will say this: when it comes to college football, the guy is a genius. When it comes to college football, the guy knows everything you need to know. Uh, when it comes to players, if you're going to ask about a player, you go to Jeff. I wouldn't even go to one of these Mel Kuypers or the, the Shea, what, 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 Mick Shays. The, the, all of them idiots. I think Jeff would be very, very good position for ESPN or something like that. He knows what he's talking about. Because I'm not afraid to call people dummies. Mm, well, that's, you know, that's uncalled for. You know, that's the, the, these guys are kids, man. They're new at what they're doing. So you I know cook. it's fun. I want to make them cry. Shut up, Jeff. Anyways, Jeff. Save, save that for the beef. <laughs> Jeff. Oh, dude, we already made the beef cry. <laughs> I still give it when you told me that story that it was real. And then I got it from the source. And it <laughs> he did, unfortunately. Jeffrey. Jeffrey, well, guys. Unfortunate. Jeffrey, Kyle, thank you for joining us. I'll see you guys Monday. Good job. Thanks, Kyle. Yeah, right. Jeffrey oh, and Kyle, first of all, Jeff, these kids. But are... just Kyle. No, get out, of here. Kyle. get out of here, Jeff. Jeffrey gave some good good thoughts to the NFL draft. He had his He's own dead to me. Oh, He's shut dead up. to oh, me. Oh, be quiet. Be dead quiet. to me. <laughs> Zayvon Collins is a reach. Please. Beeb's little brother. <laughs> Beeb's little brother. <laughs> be quiet. He, he's fine. He's a good kid. When we come back, we will be talking to KSL TV news anchor and BYU TV sportscaster Dave McCann here on the Sports Lab Mouse. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loud Mouse. Woo! We got people calling people dummies on the show. Why am I not surprised? I mean, at least Josh is not getting shots taken at him today. So that's a plus. Well, you know, it's been a while. I don't know. I didn't know how to take it. As you guys know, this is the Sports Loudmouths. I'm your host, Errol Marks. My co-host, Joshua Silverberg and Mr. Tidy Whiteyman himself. Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Wednesday and Thursday at 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time, only on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Remember, you can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS, WWSRN, or Android. Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson, BYU. That's what we're doing today. (laughs) And by the way, we have another BYU guy coming on right now as we speak. We are now talking to KSL TV news anchor and BYU TV sports caster, Dave McCann. What's going on, Dave? Hey, guys. Welcome to Provo, Utah. <laughs> it is. <laughs> love the ambiance behind you, Dave. I'm digging it, man. Well, I love that. <laughs> that's Utah Lake uh, off in the distance, and just below us is uh, the BYU campus, and it's a spectacular night here in the Rocky Mountains. It looks beautiful. I, I, I've i been to Utah once. I actually DJed out there. I went on tour with DJ Tiesto, and I had the opportunity to check out the city over there. It's beautiful. It's small, but it's absolutely beautiful. It, 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 and by the way, no pollution whatsoever like it is in here in New York. So there you go. So, Dave, 
Tell us a little bit about Zach Wilson. We we had a conversation with Mitch. Mitch gave us some intake on who he is as a player and what he's all about. Um, being drafted to the New York Jets, uh, his personality, his talent, his arm strength, everything that we've heard about him. What stands out to you when it comes to Zach Wilson? I think what stands out the most and what Jets fans will like is he's smart and he's football smart. We had a ball game uh, during the season. We did a live interview with him just as soon as it ended. We asked about a, a play that he had thrown a touchdown for, and without hesitation, he broke down uh, what the safety did, what the corner did, what the middle linebacker did, what his left tackle did to buy him some time, what the receiver did to get open, and then what he did to deliver the football. And that wasn't with any rehearsing. It's just how he sees the game. And I think that puts him in a position to, to be a good pro. And uh, I, I think Jets fans, uh, I know that uh, Joe Namath's not walking through that door. <laughs> I think he'd limp if he came through. Uh, but I think there's reason to be excited about Zach Wilson and, and the zip that he brings uh, to the quarterback position. And he gives him a lift with the new staff. So one of the things I always liked about Zach Wilson was how the, the mentally how much he had to deal with this this upcoming season with BYU having a very wacky schedule. They didn't know who they were playing a lot of the time because they got a lot of the teams that were the opponents of teams that had to move their games because of COVID. And being independent especially, they had they didn't really have that same schedule alignment. Like usually them, all right, they sometimes play the Pac-12, they sometimes play the Mountain West. So do you think that's something that gives him a mental edge over a lot of the other quarterbacks in this draft and even maybe even just quarterbacks in the league right now? I think the edge he has is he can make the throws and he can make all the throws. And he's smart. He doesn't turn it over. He threw three interceptions his whole last season. Uh, and they went 11 and one. One pick was a Hail Mary at the end of a half. One was a receiver tripped and the guy picked it off against Navy. And the other one was a young freshman ran the wrong route. And that's it. Three interceptions for all the balls that he threw. And uh, yeah, they didn't play the P5s that they had on the schedule, but he still had to make the throws. And, and he was phenomenal every week. COVID, as rough as it was for all of college football, it didn't hurt BYU. It put him on ESPN every weekend. Uh, Zach wasn't even on any boards, if you remember, when the season started. But we had a chance to watch him every week, and he put on a show. And, gosh, I, I think the stamina that they had to go through, I I don't think anything's comparable with the NFL. I, I was talking to Taysom Hill the other day, uh, who lives here, and I said, what is your concern about Zach Wilson? What, what is he going to face when he's in New York as a rookie? And his first question was, I'm concerned about their offensive line because that's how quarterbacks think. And uh, he said, my biggest concern is not can he handle it? Can he uh, can he handle the money? Can he handle the attention? Can he handle the media? He can be himself through all that. His concern was the Jets' offensive line. But he thought other than that, Zach would be fine. And, uh, you know, he's, he left school a year early. Uh, but I think he's ready for his shot. And this was the year to be a quarterback in the draft, clearly. Dave, you talked about it before when it comes to him really divulging every single start that he has when it comes to the corners with the you know with the receivers running the routes, the running back doing this, the offensive lineman doing that. Is he so well advanced in his age that you don't see any problems with him just gliding into the NFL as soon as he gets there? Do you still think there will be that growth pains? Because you talk about it like like it just really and, and even Mitch was saying it too. He really sounds way beyond his age when it comes to talking about the game of football. He's way beyond his looks, I can tell you that, because he looks like <laughs> he looks like he's going to his prom. <laughs> he, he, uh, he's looked that way. From, I remember the day he showed up as a freshman, 
to where he is now and, and the journey, the injuries, the ups and downs that, that, that he's gone through. And he, he looks the exact same. And he was doing the, his debut interview back in New York. And I was watching it going, they got him. They're putting this guy in charge of the Jets. I imagine that's what New Yorkers are, are thinking. <laughs> but look, when he puts his helmet on, and he's 6'3", people think he's short. He had a huge offensive line. It's like, can he see over the line? Well, Brady Christensen went in the third round. That was one of his tackles. And everyone else was about 6'5", uh, and they were big. And, uh, and he saw just fine behind them in the pocket. And then he's got the ability to move, as you've seen on the video. And, and then he takes care of the football. I think what just should love about the, this guy is he's young, he's, he's excited, he takes care of the football, and, and uh, you can become a, a beloved character in any sport if you just take care of the ball, and that seems to be something he does pretty good. We are talking to KSL TV news anchor and BYU TV sportscaster Dave McCann. Now, Dave, we, we talk about Zach Wilson, and, and now he's going to come to New York He's right in the bright, bright lights in New York. Uh, everybody talks about Broadway Joe and Joe Namath. And we talk about Mark Sanchez. He came from USC. Pretty boy. Uh, Pete Carroll came out and said that he doesn't belong in the NFL. He should have played another year in college. And then we brought in Sam Donald, another USC guy. That a lot of people thought he was suck for Sam. Everybody was talking about this guy is going to be the future Jets quarterback. And he's going to take the Jets to the promised land. This is the first time an NFL team in Three years' time drafted in a top three picks, two quarterbacks. When you look at Zach Wilson and his ability and his and what he has done as a college player with BYU, him coming to New York, do you think the bright lights in New York is too much with a young kid of this magnitude? It is certainly going to be different than anything he's uh, ever experienced. And he loves his family. One of the reasons he came to BYU after committing to Boise State is, is he could get home to his family for dinner on on Sunday nights, but his uncle founded jet blue. So they're not going to have any trouble getting back there and rallying around, uh, rallying around him in New York. Um, you know, those of us, I, I, I had a little stint with good morning America back when I was a senior at BYU many moons ago, and I had never been to New York before. And, and it is, uh, it is an amazing place. Um, but it's still football, you know, and it's the jets facility and then it's the football stadium and it's, it's you and 10 other guys. And, um, you're going up against the best in the world, unless they're playing the Giants. Everyone in Utah is now a Jets fan, and they don't like the Giants for no particular reason except that Zach's on the Jets. Um, I think it's just going to be exciting. He's fresh and new. And uh, I'll tell you, Steve Young the other day, as we were talking with him, said he was asked if he was worried that Zach was going to the Jets because there was a lot of buzz out here that uh, he was going to go to the 49ers, or at least that the 49ers wanted him and they were built for him. And, and all of that stuff. And and Steve said he didn't think so. Uh, he thought it'd be fine with the Jets because the 49ers coaches are now coaching the Jets. <laughs> and he thought that Shanahan influence um, would be just fine for Zach. Uh, and now it's just about uh, getting the guys around him. You know, you guys are more expert than I, but the Buffalo Bills shared a, a pretty good model. They, they got a quarterback from Wyoming. He wasn't even that great. Uh, at Wyoming, BYU beat him in the bowl game down in San Diego. And it was like, okay, well, he's big enough to be a quarterback. They saw some things in him. And then they started building around him. And now look at the Bills today. They're going to be contenders this fall. And I think if the Jets look at that model and say, okay, over the next few years, we got to add the best receiver or we got one of the best running backs. we got to rebuild our line. And then all of a sudden, who would have thought the Bills would be contenders? The Jets can be contenders. But they got somebody now I think they can – 
they can build around. So if you were to compare Zach Wilson to one quarterback, one veteran and one rook, uh, younger quarterback that's already been established in the league, who do you think he compares best to? You guys are going to kill me on this, but uh, Patrick Mahomes tweeted him a few times during the season because he's got that kind of creativity. Now, Mahomes had the luxury of sitting behind Alex Smith an entire season and watching before he ever took the field. And Zach probably not going to have that opportunity, which I think is priceless. Um, but he's got the playmaking ability, and you've seen some, some highlights where he's managed to get passes off that, that are difficult to get off and be spot on to the receiver. Uh, he's not the next Patrick Mahomes, but he has some Mahomes pizzazz in him that uh, people out here, um, and even Andy Reid, as you know, is a BYU guy, and, and Andy has been all over Zach with his ability and, and he, what he sees on his team and what he thinks Zach can do. Um, there are some guys who can make plays. You know, Manziel made a lot of plays just in transition to the NFL. Zach's going to have to make the plays, but in his resume, he's got the creativity and the physically to get the ball there that I, I you know, we're just as curious as anybody to see how he does at that level. But uh, I like his Mahomes creativity and, um, you know, it's so hard to compare with with the quarterbacks in the NFL because of the best in the world. Um, I just think he's got the skill set to either stay in the pocket or roll out, and he hits the mark. He throws with the ball where it needs to be, and he doesn't turn it over. And, uh, gosh, you got to draft somebody. I love that resume. Uh, Two-parter for me. The first part is pretty much, you know, it, you, you were talking to Taysom Hill. Um about how he was a little worried about the offensive line, and then the Jets go out and they draft Elijah Vera Tucker, and then they get a nice big guard for him. And they actually dra- um, one of their um, one of the offensive linemen at BYU actually was undrafted, and the Jets signed him, so that might give him some comfortability there. They have Mackay Becton, so you have somewhat of a line. Then they get Elijah Moore in the second round. Then they go and get Michael Carter in the third, or what was it, the third round they got him. So it's kind of Michael right Carter to- in the fourth round. Fourth round, excuse me. So they're they're trying to basically put these players around Zach, whereas when they had Sam Darnold, um, Dave, they, they, they didn't really build anything around him. Do you see the structure trying to be built the exact same way that BYU was? And the other part is we asked Mitch. Mitch said he the big thing about Zach is he uplifts a ton of players. He uplifts a team. Do You, you saw that every single week when you got to know him more? Yeah, going into last season, he was competing for the job. I mean, he started as a freshman. He had a bad year where he broke his thumb and had a shoulder issue uh, as a sophomore. Came back, finally got a spring camp that was cut to just, what, six practices before COVID. But he got those six in. He was healthy all summer. He was working in California with John Beck, who was really good with him uh, in developing his skills. But he told me that having to compete for the job in camp was significant for him and that he knew he had to win the team over. And they jumped off to it. They killed Navy, and then they won another big game, and they'd won another big game. And I said, well, when did you sense you had the team? He goes, it took two or three games before I, I looked in the huddle, and I had everybody. And then everybody elevated the games. He had a running back run for 1,100 yards. He had an All-American freshman tight end who was playing because Matt Bushman blew out his Achilles in the last day of fall practice. And uh, and then he had these receivers that, um, that stopped dropping balls the year before they they couldn't catch, and all of a sudden they were like, I don't want to be the one that drops the ball and goes back in the huddle. One of the cool things about Zach, 
toward the end of his freshman year, he went up to Utah and was up 27 to nothing against the Utes. So BYU hasn't beaten Utah in a long time. And the Utes came back and beat by a touchdown. The next game out was in the bowl game in Idaho. And Zach came out after a devastating second half for him. Because remember, he grew up in Salt Lake. And a lot of people think he grew up a Utah fan. He comes out in the Idaho Potato Bowl, goes 18 for 18 for 300 and something yards and five touchdowns. And that's how he responded to his lowest moment. And the guys see that, and they went to war with him. And, you know, that Coastal Carolina game that they scheduled on three days' notice and went back and fought, got beat. But he led them into that battle. They were a good team, but he led them into that battle. And and, uh, the game ended on the one-yard line after Zach drove him down the field. Those guys will do anything for him. And I think the first things he said – after the Jets picked him up, he couldn't wait to get to know the guys and let the guys know that he's coming to be part of it. Not the savior, he's coming to be part of it and to help everybody get going. Now, if rookie can say that, um, uh, that's one thing, but he's got to do it and that's another. And NFL is not college, as you guys know, but it's still a game. And if you can get the other guys to play harder, suddenly you're in the game in the fourth quarter and, and, uh, and then you win and then you build on that and and uh, that's what he, when he said they're ready to go to the Super Bowl, they're going to march to the Super Bowl. And some of his first comments, uh, there are probably a lot of people going, "This guy's what he's talking about." But Zach thinks that way, and uh, and he's coming back to be successful and to win. And uh, you know, he's just going to probably have to start doing that a little earlier than a lot of quarterbacks that have come into the NFL, where they've been able to sit behind a veteran uh, and watch him. We are talking to KSL TV news anchor and BYU TV sportscaster Dave McCann. Now, you mentioned Zach Wilson having shoulder surgery, which has been very much known here in New York. There was a quarterback in the 90s drafted by the New York Jets in 90, I think it was 97, 98, or 96, and his name was Chad Pennington. And Chad Pennington came into the league. He was highly profiled. Randy Moss, he was the guy that threw to Randy Moss. And he was a top first-round draft pick. He was probably the best quarterback in that draft class. He came to the Jets, very accurate, good arm strength, not top arm strength like, uh, obviously, Zach Wilson. And then, you know, a year or two years later, he played very, very well and then had a shoulder injury, which practically ruined his career, and he wasn't the same player after that. Do you worry uh, should the Jets worry about the fact that um, Zach Wilson already had shoulder surgery on his throwing arm and going into the NFL where it's faster, people are more meaner? Uh, is it something for the Jets to worry about moving forward Zach Wilson's injury uh, injury of his shoulder? I think anyone get killed any time in the NFL. <laughs> I, I would worry all the time if I was a general manager. But he hurt that shoulder in high school, and he just didn't get it fixed until he was at BYU. He didn't get a fix until after his freshman year. Um, you can't keep him off the field. He should have been out his sophomore year. He had a broken thumb and all that stuff, and, and he played anyway after missing four or five games. And you look at his stats, and that wasn't a great year for him. But he was uh, completely healthy last offseason and completely healthy, getting COVID tested three times a week this whole season. And every team came at him. Uh, he took some hits. He's smart enough not to take a lot of hits. Uh, and he weathered the storm, and the backups hardly got in. With three starters the year before uh, playing games, this year was all Zach, and uh, he's completely healthy and uh, mobile and fast. And and you know the Jets went over all that stuff with a fine-tuned comb because there were other teams that wanted him, and there's a lot of pressure on the Jets. Um, 
he just he held up fine this last year and and I think I think he's ready to go. We're, we're looking forward to the what the schedule comes out on the 12th and we're eager to see who uh, who they get to see in the preseason. So is there one particular trait of Zach Wilson that stands out where maybe he has a significant advantage or a big enough advantage over the other rookie quarterbacks and also maybe even a trait that you could see maybe he could elevate himself right away as being a top 10 or even top five in that category in comparison to the rest of the league? What would it be to you and why? His football intelligence. He just understands the game and he's smart. Um, I think that's the biggest asset. Small quarterbacks can be successful in the league. Um, they have that skill set. And then the bigger ones can be Tom Brady and, uh, and win the Super Bowl all the time. Uh, I, I just like his, his football intellect, and not everyone has it. Uh, I thought he could have gone number one. You know, there were some folks projecting that he'd go ahead of the Clemson quarterback. And I thought, well, maybe the only way he could win that debate is in the interview room. When the GM picks his brain and Urban Meyer and those guys, I could see them going, you know, the pressure is to take this kid, but Zach can run our offense or understands our offense. Um, I'm glad he's gone to the Jets because I think it's I think it's a great opportunity with a brand new coach and a whole new attitude in a city that's that wants the Jets to be good. Um, and I think his football intellect gives him the upper hand on all the quarterbacks. Uh, that came out this year, and, and there were five or six of them that, as you know, were really good. I, I, I've seen Zach up close. I just, you know, the NFL so hard and so tough, but I think Zach is as ready as as, uh, as any of them that came in the draft this year. I know, Dave, we talked earlier about how you said it's invaluable to let him sit for, you know, as long as he can to learn on the offense. Like Patrick Mahomes got that, Aaron Rodgers got that, even Lamar Jackson got that with Baltimore. It is invaluable to get that. Having said that, are you concerned that he will be thrown into this right away, or do you think it's going to be a no non-issue with him and he'll just take it as it goes and just learn on the fly and say, here it is, I'm ready to take this thing? Well, absolutely. But but he'll tell you I'm ready to go and do all those things you just said because he <laughs> wants to play. But I think I think all of us, uh, I've never been a big football player, so I, I hate to speak for those guys, but 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 those of us who've watched him um, and, and we've watched so many young quarterbacks go in the league and get chewed up. Now, every now and then there's an exception. I thought the Herbert kid was fantastic for San Diego uh, this last year. Um, but but most of the new quarterbacks are sitting on the bench studying. And I love the Mahomes experience. When Andy Reid traded uh, uh, his quarterback away after that good year, everyone here, because Alex Smith went to Utah, so there's a big following of him out here, and they couldn't believe it. They're like, how did the Chiefs trade Alex Smith? <laughs> they were just knocking on the Super Bowl. And Andy Reid's like, well, I know who I have. And, and he knew who he had, and he was completely right. Um, the Jets – don't have that opportunity for Zach to sit out. And with a brand new coach, and in today's world, there isn't even time really to, to not get out there and prove yourself that I'm getting paid this much money to win football games. So Zach will tell you he wants a job day one. The rest is mom might say, I wish there was somebody that, that, uh, that, was, that, that could show him the ropes a little bit. Um, but the rest of us are just excited to, to have a kid come from – Corner Canyon High School and BYU and, and go to the biggest city in the country and, and try to throw the ball to the guys in the green and white. 
As you guys know, we are talking to KSL TV news anchor and BYU TV sportscaster Dave McCann. By the way, Dave, uh, the Jets are in the process of signing Nick Foles. Uh, that that is coming out from from the Jets organization. So oh, really? that that's no. closing in. That's closing in for the New York Jets. Yes, Josh, really. Um, I heard that this morning. Look at you breaking news. Look yes. at you. It's not a rumor. I yeah, Carl Errol's out spreading rumors. It's <laughs> not a rumor. That's not a rumor. That that's that's facts, by the way. But uh, a couple of our fans have a couple of questions for you. Uh, first question is, which non-Wilson BYU player does he like best for the next level? He, um, Our fan, it, Jeff, is very big on Isaiah Kafusi. Uh, is there any particular BYU player getting drafted this year that really stands out to you besides Zach Wilson? Brady Christensen uh, at the tackle spot, which is a quarterback's best friend because he's got the blind side. Um, and he came out early, too, as a junior uh, and went in the third round. I think he's going to be a great pro. Um, a couple of those other linemen you mentioned are big and strong, and, and uh, I think we'll have a chance to, to make a roster. Dax Milne is a, was a great college receiver. It just depends. Uh, if the team's looking for a possession receiver, he's not going to beat anyone down the field. Um, and I hope Matt Bushman gets a shot uh, with the Raiders at tight end. He's got spectacular hands at 6'5". He just has some really bad luck with injuries, and he's not the fastest guy in the world. So it's got to fit into that situation for, uh, for Bushman to, uh, to get on, the, on, the, on an NFL team. But, uh, you know, the two drafted the first and third rounds, those are guys that are filling needs. And the other guys, uh, are just they just got to get a couple of breaks and be fast enough at the right time to – to make that squad. You know, I, I've only been at one real football game in the NFL in my life, and it was a Super wow. Bowl when the uh, Eagles and Patriots were playing. And after covering college for so many years, I was sitting there and watched the Patriots come out to do their warm-ups. It's like 30 below outside, but inside <laughs> was okay. Anyway, they came out. I was waiting for the rest of the team to join them. And I was like, wait a second. Those are the 52 guys. There's not 100 coming out. Like college seems like to suit up. And then I sat there and gained a full appreciation for how hard it is to make an NFL roster. And maybe they'll expand it a little bit because they're adding that extra regular season game. I don't know. But it's so hard to make that group of 52. That Those who do are the best in the world. So our, our, our Cougars that got drafted and got by the camps, it's an uphill battle except for Christensen and Zach, in, in my opinion. Uh, also, uh, Carl had a question for you. Ask him how what he thinks about Devin Tompkins – uh, wide receiver from Utah State. So what are your thoughts to uh, uh, Devin Tompkins? He's got some speed and he's got good hands. Um, they didn't get to play a full slate of games, I don't think, with, with COVID, how the Mountain West did things this last year. But, um, you know, what do you got to have in the NFL? You got speed and you have hands. You got to have hands. I, I think he's got those two. Um, I don't know him personally, but, but uh, you know, he can catch the deep ball and he can run. Um, I think that's what he's got going for him. Let me ask you guys a few questions. Hit me. Go for it. Let me, turn, let me turn the tables from Provo, Utah to the, to the big apple. What are your impressions of Zach so far? Ooh. And let's start with in the upper right hand corner. It's like a, uh, Hollywood squares. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's me. I'm that's in the him. upper right. Yeah. Uh, what do I think of Zach Wilson? I think the kid is, uh, he's obviously going to be, he fits New York. He's a pretty boy. I think he could be a poster child if he becomes the player that a lot of people think he's going to become. 
I think he's got great arm strength. He's very accurate. Um, we talk about Patrick Mahomes. We talk about Aaron Rodgers, the way he holds the ball, how he keeps it low. Uh, when we see some of the great quarterbacks over the last couple of years get drafted, even Russell Wilson, they like to, they don't like to hold the ball high. They like to keep it low because they like to move inside and out of the pocket. I think he's got tremendous ability inside and out of the pocket. He, he can make every single throw. Um, I think what he is and who he is as a family, a family kid, a family. There were so many interesting things that I learned about him after the draft when he was getting interviewed. And the one thing he he said that really stood out to me is he would rather go out to dinner with his family and sit home and watch TV with his family than go out to a club or do things like that of that magnitude because he's more of a family guy. So to me. When when you talk about like Sam Donald, Sam Donald got uh, what 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 was that what was that disease Mono. he got Mono. I mean, he was kissing somebody. He went out to California. He was doing something in the off season. He got Mono. I don't see Zach Wilson doing that. Also, Zach Wilson has a girlfriend. His his high school sweetheart. It looks like he's he's pretty stable on where he is and who he is as a person. I think he would. He's going to fit very, very well in New York. He's just got to prove himself. He's got to step on the field, and he's got to show that he can play in New York. If he does that, Zach Wilson will be the biggest star here in New York. Now, that sounds like a guy who studied Zach Wilson. Well done. All right, upper left-hand corner. All right, so <laughs> as somebody that uh, – I live pretty much in your time. Errol and Josh will make fun of me for it. Like I, I practically live in the mountain time and Pacific time. I've seen, I even saw Zach Wilson in 2019 in certain in- instances. And I always liked his throwing on the run ability. I think that was even for somebody that isn't this like freak athlete when it comes to speed, like Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson or something like that. He always was great at throwing on the run and his speed was very good. He's very smart in that area. And I, I think you brought it up earlier, Dave. The IQ, his football IQ and his intelligence, his decision-making is very strong. And he had to do it with a receiving core that was very new. Like like I was saying earlier, they had a game plan a lot of different times for teams they didn't even know they were going to play. Like you were saying, the Mountain West didn't have their season, which is normally the strength of their uh, their competition. They're used to playing a lot of those uh, Boise State teams, Utah State teams like that. And he really accustomed to that well. And I think mentally that'll give him an edge going to an NFL team and being able to do it right away with improved weapons for the Jets. But it's, again, it's not like you're going like Patrick Mahomes went to the Chiefs right away, or you, went, you had Tyree Kill, you had Travis Kelsey right away, or so I think from that aspect of it, I really did like it. He was my third quarterback behind Lawrence and Fields, but that's not really an insult to what he is. I think he's going to be a fantastic quarterback. I think all of them are going to be fantastic quarterbacks, but Wilson definitely has the edge, edge, an edge mentally just because of that, in my opinion, and because of his decision-making process. And I love his throwing on the run, both right and left, that I saw in certain games that BYU played, even in 2019 when he wasn't getting all the hype. Good. All right. Now let's get through all that stuff and get the real stuff from the lower right hand corner. Oh, yeah. Let's <laughs> <laughs> all the pressure on me. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> no, listen, the first time I ever saw Zach Wilson, it was on one of those GIFs on Twitter. He did the five yard hurdle. And I said to, and I actually texted Arrow. I sent him the GIF of Zach Wilson and I said, I want this guy. And Arrow calls me up and he goes, You want that guy based on a hurdle? I said, No, 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 no. I said, Look what he did after the play. Just staring the guy down. He's confident. I want a guy that's going to be confident in the huddle, command it. That's something that I did not see from Sam Donald at times. And it frustrated me. He didn't command it. And you could say because of injuries, this and that, so on and so you can hear how he talks to the media. Zach is a confident kid. He's very knowledgeable. You can see how he studies the game inside and out. And he's somebody that he's, he sounds, like I said, very articulate too when he speaks. 
way beyond what his age is. And yes, everybody jokes. Oh, he, my brother's a Dolphin fan, and he goes, he looks like he's going to his junior prom, getting ready for the NFL draft. I said, I don't give a damn what he looks like. If he's a stud, I don't care. You know, it doesn't matter to me. But he's somebody that when you see in Speedy allude to it, and there were the two, you could when he could throw in the pocket the way he does that off balance throw that he made. And I understand it was a pro day and there's nobody chasing him. I mean, that off balance so that he may go into his left and he got it down the field on, on the right side of the field to the end zone was incredible. I mean, that was on an off balance throw like that to be that accurate. And he had a smile on his face afterwards. He knew that he was going to make that throw. That's a confident kid. Is it cockiness? Sure. Could it be arrogance? Maybe so. But I'll take that if the kid is going to win games and demand the huddle. And you could see when he got drafted, a lot of these Jet players, Makai Becton and all these guys were ecstatic when they took him. They can't wait to go to war with this guy. What I like to see was a guy who wore a suit on draft night that could wear to church on Sunday morning, and I'm sure he did. <laughs> uh, and, and then here's, a, here's another question for the panel of experts. So out here in the West, when we think of the Jets, the Jets are not the Giants like the Mets are not the Yankees in our interpretation of how New York sees things. It's different for the quarterback to go to the Giants than the Jets in a rebuild, in our opinion, because there seems to be so much pressure on the Giants. Just like it seems to be, the pressure's all on the Yankees, and then you got the Mets over here uh, doing their thing. Um, is that a correct assessment, and does a young quarterback have a better shot going into New York and helping rebuild the Jets than what we saw with the young quarterback trying to get the Giants to win? I think the I think going to the Jets, there's more pressure. The Jets haven't won in 50 years. The Giants have won. Uh, they've won two Super Bowls in the last 15 years. I, I think it's a huge difference. I think that if if somebody like Zach Wilson went to the Giants, uh, the Giants had Eli Manning. They had Phil Simms. Who was the last guy the Jets had? Oh, I'm sorry, uh, Joe Namath. And that was 50 years ago. I think there's more pressure for somebody like Zach Wilson coming here to New York because when you look at the Jets and you look at the organization, and let's be honest, they've had a lot of bad luck. Bill Belichick decided he had the job, and one day he decides to flee and goes there to the Patriots. He drafts Tom Brady. He wins six Super Bowls. I I mean, the Jets have had bad luck. The New York Giants, uh, even maybe the last 10 years, have had bad luck, but mostly the New York Jets are just not a very good run organization over the years. Since the Johnsons have taken over, they've still been – uh, stagnant on where they are as an organization. But now adding Joe Douglas and then Robert Sala, I think the Jets understand who they are and their identity is. I think Zach Wilson coming to New York, there's a lot of pressure on him because everybody expects him now to be the guy. And now I believe before the season even starts, you're going to see him in underwear over there in New York City on, on Miracle on 34th Street. And you're going to see Zach Wilson standing there with his underwear, his Hanes underwear, whatever the hell, Calvin Klein, because he's going to be uh, he's going to be a poster boy, not only for uh, women out here, but a poster boy for every New York Jet fan to expect a, a, a quarterback, a franchise quarterback that we have been waiting for for the last 50 years. So. I think there's more pressure coming to New York as a Jet than it is for a Giant. All right, I got a prediction that there will never come a day when Zach Wilson is in his underwear on a New York billboard. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to happen. Derek Jeter said the same thing, and Derek Jeter was that. <laughs> Derek Jeter also just was a woman on SNL, so there was that too. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, Dave, I'm just going to expand on Errol's point, uh, too. The other thing that uh, the other aspect of the why the Jets, I think, actually have more pressure in general than the Giants do. Now, obviously, not every year. If the Giants have pressure to repeat as champions, stuff like that, or they're like a fringe playoff team, there's going to be pressure if the Jets like aren't expected to be good. But in general, teams that have the quarterback graveyards or as they call it, just bad quarterback histories are always going to have more of that pressure where you look at the Browns, when you look at a team like the Bears, the Buccaneers, teams like that that have always just been striking out on quarterbacks all the time. Even a team like the Vikings that are good with player development with other positions. Like, there's always going to be more pressure on the quarterbacks in that aspect when you're trying to be that guy to try to change the fortune. We saw Mahomes do it with the Chiefs. Even the Chiefs, their, their quarterback history before that, it wasn't, I don't think it was as bad as some of the teams I listed, but it was, it definitely wasn't great. It never was the strength. They always were good with running backs, linebackers. And now all of a sudden the team is transformed on the quarterback. So there's definitely that other pressure combined with the big city, combined with the New York pressure where you have the media, which is definitely bigger than anything else, other big cities across the country. And just the way they are, they could, they could be tough. It could be tough to play. In. And you brought up the baseball analogy with the Yankees and the Mets. We've seen a lot of players now have a lot of trouble transitioning right away to New York City because the fans can be hostile at times. The media can be hostile at yeah. times. And they're not the only city like that, but it definitely can be a, a transition that can be tough. But definitely combined with the fact that the Jets have had a bad history of quarterbacks definitely puts a lot of pressure on them in comparison to the Giants. Not that the Giants don't have pressure. I mean, so far, three years, Daniel Jones has yet to show it. And I'm a Giants fan, and I've not been impressed with him for the most part. <laughs> but it definitely, I agree with Errol. It's a lot more on the Jets because of the, that kind of quarterback drought they've had and the say. press will bite your head off and spit it out if you do anything stupid over here and and i don't think zach wilson's that type of guy i think he fits perfectly over here what i like what about it, the one thing that uh, josh talks very highly of him is that the guy is confident sam donald say whatever you i love sam and i i only wish the best for sam donald wherever he goes in carolina i think he could be a top 10 quarterback he just needs to be put in the right position to win and succeed uh, he never got the opportunity over here. Sam Donald was a quiet guy, and a lot of people thought he wasn't very good in the huddle. You talk about Zach Wilson. Everything we've heard about Zach Wilson, he's confident, he's cocky, he believes in himself, and he believes that if he plays well, the team will follow him. And I think that's something that New York fans need. Eli Manning, he was a quiet touchy guy that really didn't say much in the huddle. He just knew what he can do and what he's capable of being in the big game. Baker Mayfield, Kyla Murray, all these guys, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, these guys are cocky quarterbacks. And all of them, they've got something to match up with Zach Wilson. They're all top quarterbacks, confident quarterbacks that can make every single throw. So if he can do everything that everybody expects him to do and he could be as confident and cocky while doing it, the kid is going to be a super, superstar here in New York. I was going to say, what do you think about what, when Steve Young was talking the other day about the Jets? He said, you know, Jets don't have to go 3-3 three and three out of the gate. They need to go. They could even go one and five out of the gate. But if they become a tough out, that is enough for Zach's debut of uh, we got to bring it. We're going to get beat by the Jets instead of getting mopped up. Do you think if he is one and five out of the gate, but they are a tough out as opposed to three and three fans will see that, hey, we are moving in the right direction. And that will be enough for the back half of the season. I do. I, 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 I do. I know Arrow's going to say no, but listen, if Zach Wilson is progressing and the offense is looking good, but if it's the defense, that's an issue, something like that. They can't close. I think that's a different perspective. Going back to what you were asking before about the, you know, what's harder, 
Dave, other than the Brooklyn Nets, because they don't exist in New York, every every fan every fan base in New York is ruthless. It doesn't matter, and and Twitter is such a cesspool that it adds to the element of problems and issues that the fans tweet out to players. Dave, I got two thousand fans. I'm barely on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, let me tell you this: there are players who are so sensitive on Twitter. They block them because they have, don't have the time to deal with them. And then that's what it adds to it. And and listen, if they go one in five and they're a tough out, are Jeff fans going to be happy? Uh, of course, they're not going to be happy, but I think they'll see somewhat of improvement. If they're losing 24 to 21 to, I don't know, to the, the what's a Super Bowl contender? The Indianapolis, you know, the Colts or the Bills or somebody like that, or even the Chiefs, and they're losing 27 to 24. And Wilson is going toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes. Like You can't sit there and tell me that the fans are going to go, oh, my God, we finally found our quarterback. It's about freaking time. Now we just got to figure out the rest of this team now, especially the defense. Why are we giving up 30, 25 points a game? Like a couple of years ago when the Packers played the Jets, Sam Darnold went toe-to-toe with Aaron Rodgers. People, the, the Jet fans, including myself, thought Sam Darnold was the guy. I said, look at this. He's having the best game of his career. He's going toe-to-toe with Aaron Rodgers. And Rodgers praised him at the end of the game. And it just didn't work out that way. It didn't keep up the momentum of everything with Patrick Mono and ghosts and this and that. And You're a ghost. You look like Adam Sandler. That's what you are. Adam Sandler Jr. And, again, and, I, and I will say this. Adam Sandler is a multimillionaire. If I'm going to look like somebody, I'd rather look like a millionaire. That's totally fine by Oh, me. is that what you, would you have to look like a millionaire to be something? Give me a break. Absolutely. You know what? I'd rather be Zach Wilson then. Look like a pretty boy and stand over there with my underwear all the way at Broadway. And they can call me. Dave already said he's not doing underwear ads. But you get the underwear out of your sure. head? He's not doing underwear ads. <laughs> <laughs> like think of something else. like do like Haynes jeans or something like that or Levi's. Please don't, <laughs> Dave. We just need you on more to t- to stop him from talking about underwear. Yeah, please. Zachary, like, Zachary, Zachary can hawk uh, hot chocolate. He can hawk uh, car- caramel apples, uh, spaghetti. You know, caramel he, apples. Bring a, bring a little bit of Utah. Bring a little Utah to New York, and New Yorkers are gonna love him. He's just, he's the kind of guy that you'd want to have over for dinner just to talk about anything. And uh, he's a great representative of BYU, great representative of his family. He's got a big challenge with the Jets, but they got the right guy. I think, uh, I think you're going to love him. His mother is very popular here too. (laughs) (laughs) She's got to, she's got to stay off Twitter, man. She, she, uh, she got after it uh, with a couple of fans uh, on Twitter. You know, when things were going good, it's like you can't you can't get on there unless you um, you can take the good and the bad. Um, and, you know, moms cannot take the bad. Mm-hmm. She's the 100 times uh, better version of, of the mother of an NFL player going after fans on Twitter as the mother of the Giants 2016 terrible <laughs> first round pick Eli Apple. Oh, God. Oh, God. But I, I, I'll stick up for her. Craig Carton had no right to say what he said when he was interviewing Zach Wilson. I, I thought it was obnoxious what he said. And, I'm, and I like Craig, but it was obnoxious what he said. And I, I, if I was Zach Wilson, I'm getting drafted. I don't want to hear about my mom. I want to hear about me. You got a question for me? You got something smart to say? I don't want to hear about my hot mom. I want to hear about what you think of me as a player, what I could do for the Jets organization moving forward. Not about, hey, by the way, how's, you know, your hot mom, you know, is she, is she single or something? You know, she's not single, you idiot. So 
I, I mean, seriously, it was obnoxious. I, I think he had a lot, a lot of explaining to do all over the news. People were taking shots at Craig Carton. Uh, unfortunately, he looked like a fool. And and, and and Zach Wilson was very uncomfortable. You could tell he was very uncomfortable after that interview. But I think that uh, he comes from a very good family. Everything that we've heard about his father and his mother and yeah. and, and everything, even his, his brothers, you could see his brother looks just like him. It's either his brother or his cousin. I mean, they all look like each other. They're all blonde hair, He has blue a sister eyes. also, doesn't he, Dave? I think he has a sister too, right? He's got two brothers that are um, linebackers. His youngest brother is a quarterback who's, uh, I think, a sophomore in, in high school. I think that's it. Um, I don't know if he's got a sister or not, but I, I, um, I don't want to say he does if, if he doesn't. But I saw somebody hanging out with him. Eh, maybe it was his I don't know, girlfriend. I don't know. Somebody was hanging I think, out with him. I think that's who it was. Yeah. But his one of his greatest strengths um, – which is, you know, something that, uh, especially heading into Mother's Day, that um, that we all benefit from, or at least hope at some point we benefit from, or when we have kids, we'll be those kind of parents, is uh, he loves his mom and dad, and they've supported him and taught him and taught him how to respect other people. And and uh, he, um, you know, he's, he's a good guy. A lot, of, a lot of BYU players serve two-year church missions, he chose not to. Um, didn't matter. He's he uh, he's matured uh, right alongside the the twenty four year old, twenty five year old married guys with kids that uh, that are on that football team, and uh, and he's been a leader and gets that from his mom and dad and and uh, they 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 are the salt of the earth and um, you know if New Yorkers never get to know his parents, they can see Zach and hopefully they're grateful for the effort that their parents put into him because he's going to represent the Jets and uh, he's coming out of Utah. Um, really good guy. Dave, are you a basketball fan? Oh God. Yeah. How do you feel about the Utah jazz this year? I don't know if they're for real or not. And that's going to be, you can't say that on the evening news up in Salt Lake, but uh, <laughs> you can say it here if you want. <laughs> I, they're got, got a good record. And unfortunately I'm just saying this to the East coast, but, uh, they got you know, they got to get Donovan healthy, and um, he's a tremendous player. Uh, he's been out, and um, you know when the Lakers get healthy, it, you almost just expect them to snap their fingers uh, and come at them like Thanos or uh, even the Clippers to show up and, and start playing like the Clippers. But the story out west of the Suns, hmm. and they uh, they with. You know, with Chris Paul, they uh, all of a sudden. I think I think tonight they still have the best record. I might be wrong, but uh, I don't know if the Jazz could beat them in a seven-game series if it if it comes to them being the one and two. But I don't know. I think this is a weird season, uh, and and so many people have been hurt that uh, I think when the big boys come back, we'll find out about the Jazz. And what about the Knicks? You guys having brought the Knicks this whole show? <laughs> now, those guys, those guys are turning some heads. Well, I will say this. They've turned a lot of heads. They've very much impressed a lot of people from one of the the worst defensive team in the NBA last year to the best defensive team in the NBA. And they're a dangerous team. They're they're as dangerous as any team in the Eastern Conference. I don't think they're winning anything this year. I still think they're missing one or two pieces that can get them where they need to go. 
But uh, it's been very impressive. Tom Thibodeau's first year, uh, I, I always thought he would fit here in New York because this is his dream job. This is where he wanted to be. He finally got here. And, and the players that he's really developed, R.J. Barrett has developed. Uh, Julius Randle has developed after five or six years of being, being the player that everybody thought he was going to be when he came from Kentucky. I think that Quigley was a great uh, acquisition in the draft. I think, he, to me, he's Rookie of the Year. And, and then... I hopefully hopefully we see Toppin and we see some of these players and even some of the players that they brought in free agency they've really stood out and really uh, have brought back the New York culture the mean gritty team that the New York Knicks have always been in the '90s so I think uh, the New York Knicks are back where they need to be and that's a playoff contender and I don't know if they're ready to win now but if they can do this consistently every single year. Um, I think they could be a successful organization moving forward here in New York. So it's been very impressive. And obviously the Brooklyn Nets are the favorites uh, to coming out of the East and, and winning the whole thing with the talent that they have. So it's crazy. It really is. And by the way, Dwayne Wade is a new owner over there in Utah. She's, yeah. So you should be happy over there. You got a, a, a career superstar, ex, a soon, soon to be Hall of Famer over there running and helping your organization move forward in the right direction. Hey, listen, the other night, the two guards were out, and we were talking on the news, and I go, you know, they they do have a guard. Let's put Wade in tonight. All he's got to do is throw it into Gobert, but I don't think that's in his deal. I, I think he's – he's that'd be a great April Fool's joke for next year if they're playing on the first half. Him come out at warm-ups and do his thing. But what's the bigger story this year? If the Jets win seven games or anything, the Yankees, Mets, or next to – Rangers shy of winning their championship. Here's a prediction. The Jets win nine games this year. Oh, okay. Nine games with their schedule. You banking I, on that? I'm banking on it. I haven't even seen the schedule. I, 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 you know who they're playing. You know the opponents of, of the opponents yes. year to year once you get the, once you get the and, tiebreakers. And being that they were the worst team in their division, they're playing all the worst teams in all the other divisions. So, uh, oh, so Yeah, they get the Jaguars and the – and the Chargers, in addition to the AFC South and the NFC South. Yeah, so I think Are the Jets... going to fall for this usual Jet first-year head coach gets a good record other than Adam, Adam Gase, and then that's it? <laughs> he's not Adam Gase. Robert Solid is an Adam Gase. I know he's not Adam Gase. I'm just throwing it out there. Todd Bowles had 10 wins, too. I'm just saying. Hey, what, if, what, if he's a, what if he's a Shanahan? Will that, <laughs> if he's a Shanahan, will that be enough? Um, I, I think, first of all, I hope he's not Shanahan because I'm not a big fan of him. But I think Robert Sala gives you, <laughs> gives you a dimension that I think the Jets have, have been lacking over the years. And that's uh, ever since Rex Ryan has been gone. Uh, I think the, and, and, the, and the problem with player coaches, they just don't fit here in New York. I think he's a player's coach, but he's not going to let people talk down to him. And he's not going to let people push him around, even as a coach. I think Robert Sala is, has got that crazy personality. I think he's going to really fit here in New York. His personality fits. His his Just who he is in his culture. I think he's going to change this organization just as much as I think Joe Douglas has done that in the last two years in the draft. So I, I think that uh, it's going to be fun. As far as the Yankees and the Mets concerned, the Mets can't hit. And the Yankees uh, by the way, the Yankees are throwing a bag of balls at the John Carlos Stan. Tell me what you think of him right now. He's the hottest hitter in baseball. Kiss my ass, Yankee fans. <laughs> also, really quick, the nice thing about Salah is this. Unlike other coaches that the Jets have hired in the past, Salah's actually delegating you know, it to the coaches. So it's not like, hey, just because I'm a defensive coach, I'm just going to focus on the defensive side of the ball. He said, no, no, no. I'm going to be a full head coach on every side of the ball, offense, defense, special teams. And it was on a YouTube video that I forget what it was on how to be a good coach and why you hire certain coaches to your team because there might be something of that coach that maybe 
they have that you don't have in your DNA as a coach, and that's why you would want to bring that coach on your staff with you, and he'd give a whole analysis as to why you bring that certain coach. So he's actually not like Adam Gase who's running the offense or Todd Bowles running the defense. He's delegating it to his coaches, and he's going to oversee everything and actually be a head coach. Even Rex wasn't that. Rex was straight defense, and it was a problem. He was too busy getting his quarterback as a tattoo on his ass, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Is the ass he ran into included? Josh, your answer there is why Steve Young believes that Zach's going to be successful in New York. Exactly that because of the head coach and the approach that he's bringing in from the 49ers and his experience there. Figure that one. Figure that one out. Figure that one out. Zach Wilson – it comes from BYU. That's where Steve Young came from. And where did Steve Young go after Tampa Bay? 49ers. And where is Robert Soller coaching from? From the 49ers. So why wouldn't Steve Young say that? A 49ers coach coming to New York and a BYU quarterback coming to New York. Fits perfect. Like a glove. Like a glove. And remember, he's been at Tampa Bay when they wore the orange stuff. So he knows what it's like to go into a horrible situation. <laughs> <laughs> and he says that. He does not believe Zach's going into that in New York and pretty optimistic. And, and you know, when Steve speaks around here, he, he's a legend and, and he's done it and won it. And so I, I was really fascinated by his take on on how Zach could be successful in New York um, for a team that, that hasn't been very good for a long time. And for those reasons, starting number one with his new head coach. Dave, we really appreciate you joining us. You're awesome. We would love to get you on again. You gave us some good uh, takes when it comes to Zach Wilson, you know your stuff when it comes to uh, basketball, and 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 you really who you are as a personality. And I I honestly before we got you on, I did some research about you. I I didn't know who you were, but I, I think that not only personality wise, but what you know when it comes to BYU sports and Utah sports is fantastic. We would love to get you on again. Anybody who would suck up like that at the end of an interview, I am all in. So, <laughs> so hey, I'll be your uh, promo correspondent. You just holler, uh, you holler when there's a spot for me, and I'll jump in this Hollywood Squares anytime. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we know you got Adam Sandler over there, and you got uh, Planet of the Apes over there, and then you just got me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what are you, meathead? <laughs> well, I'd rather be a steakhead or a meathead than Adam Sandler and a, an ape. Again, Adam Sandler is right. <laughs> well, the ape can eat the meat. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm just, uh, I'm just grateful that uh, that COVID is on its way out and that we can uh, get back to full stadiums and and uh, people love sports. They love being around each other at these things and they love shows like this because they get to think and talk and shout and yell and debate. Boy, we missed that in the last year. I know this show and other shows just like it harder when when the fan interaction has gone from games. And uh, having that back, I think we're all heading to one of the great falls of, uh, of our lives uh, with, with the sports we cover. Dave, before we let you go, tell the fans how they can find you on social media. Dave McCann, KSL on Twitter, and uh, Dave McCann on Facebook. Um, come one, come all, and be nice. I don't want to have any Twitter fights with people in New York. And don't say anything what I said about the Jazz. Let's just keep that between the four of us and the millions of people listening. As you guys know, hey, you can this. with us. One thing the Jazz are doing is they're slowly creeping up their attendance, and they're hoping to have a full house come playoff time. That'll make Vivian Arena 
a tough place to play, especially with other arenas just now starting to let in 500 or 1,000 or 2,000. The Jazz are up to about 10,000, and they're cruising to 18 for the for the playoffs. So they, uh, we're doing it right out here in Utah for sure, and, and COVID is, is on its way out. Dave, uh, awesome information. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Dave. We appreciate it, man. Seriously, thank you. See you, guys. As you guys know, we were talking to KSL TV news anchor and BYU TV sportscaster Dave McCann. Awesome. Really, really great. So I was two for two tonight, huh? You were two for nothing, you Adam Sandler lookalike. You're an idiot. You know, (laughs) you're so (laughs) – Listen, I don't like marshmallows, okay? I don't – I might eat some burnt marshmallows, especially if I'm, I knew, those are better. I asked him the question. When I asked him the basketball question, and I hear Errol go, oh, God. Because I don't, Errol's probably thinking, where is he going with this? And I, but I knew. And we should have asked Mitch it, too. I, I forgot to ask Mitch it. Because you have to remember, Utah only has one professional sports team. That's, 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 that's the Jazz. It's so it's, and the way they're playing this year. But it's amazing that they're not even the one seed anymore. We all – They are not right now. They are. Oh, they are. But you see – a month or two ago, it was no question they were going to be the ones and nobody's right. catching them. And now the Suns have caught up to them, which, as you know, Dave said, they got a full house. Who's beating them in a seven-game series? Yeah. I will say, I will say, there were two very good interviews. They really were. Dave gave us some good insight, as much as Mitch did. But I, I really like Dave. I think Dave had a, had a good personality, had a lot of fun with us. Yes. Definitely, he would love to. Come, I guarantee you, he'd love to come back on with us. Both of them, man. Both yeah. of them are awesome. Yes, even after us know, Jeff making, we had Jeff making fun of Jeffrey, which was terrible. Well, Jeff likes to pick on everybody. I know. Well, you heard what he said. He goes, I just want to see him cry. <laughs> I feel bad for him because I told him, I, you know, you're going to you're gonna see this. And I, I've been teaching these guys, you know, and understanding the business. And I, I told him, you're going to get people that are going to talk down to you. You can't take it to the heart. You can't let them hurt you. And uh, I saw it in Jeff. He didn't like that. But Jeff will learn. I told him that this is this is very common when somebody doesn't like you, I I think it's funny when somebody takes a shot at me. I I just let them ba- have it back, you know. I'm used to it now. Well, That's what it no, is. you're not. You're no, not. I am. <laughs> no, I am. No, I am. I really am. I don't, dude. You didn't even see what I was writing in the comments section last week. Every time Jeff wrote something, I, I saw just it. Yeah, I, didn't think I, I don't just see it. heart emojis back to him. Yeah. <laughs> you should send. It, you should take a picture of your ass and send it to him. I think he like. He's not it. even worthy of that. <laughs> Well, you know, and that in his uh, his Guy Fieri head head uh, head of hair. <laughs> oh man, jeez. Well, that's it think, for our show. It's not it. We have some. We have another. We have another call. Okay. Who do we got? Um, oh well, here we go. <laughs> oh, never mind. Just, just hung up. All right, whoever was whoever was calling, call back. All right. Well, we'll, we'll wait for a second, see if they want to come back on. But why? It's probably right, Jeff. And so I think it's Carl. I think we got Carl. All right, put him through. Put him through. That's- Let's do it. What's going on? Who are we speaking to? Let's do it. This is Billy Bob. Billy Bob. What's going on, Billy Bob? Um, I got to talk about this NBA MVP race because it's getting out of hand. The narratives, just the way people are disrespecting the unanimous MVP, Jokic. Big yoke. Big yoke. The yoker. Well, I don't think people are disrespecting him. I just think that. When you look at 
Uh, the fact that uh, you, you look at Steph Curry scoring 31 points a game and you, and, and that Joel Embiid, what he's done with the 76ers, and then you, you hear James Harden before he got hurt that he was a guy that fit the MVP candidate, LeBron James. And, and, and it's just back. Here's, here's the guys that don't get the, enough respect. Jokic doesn't get enough respect, and Damian Lillard doesn't get enough respect. And Julius Randle, what he has done for the New York Knicks, being a fourth seed and getting in the Eastern Conference, it's a joke. So Joker, I think Jokic is absolutely the MVP of the NBA season. I just, I, I don't know what this Nugget team is now that they lost a, a big-time player like Murray. Yeah, I just think there's some stuff. I've been listening to all the takes. I always follow it. And ESPN, the Fox Sports, and it's always someone else. It's MB, no, no, it's it's uh, James, no, now it's Lillard, now it's Curry. Oh, now it's uh, Chris Paul. Now they want to put Chris Paul against him. Now he should be the MVP. It's everybody but Jokic. And I heard Nick Wright saying if Jokic wins the MVP, he'll be the worst MVP in 35 years. Who said that? Oh, God. <laughs> Who said that? Nick Wright. Yeah, t- tell Nick Wright he's an ass. How's that sound? Tell him to go suck on a hairy one. How's that? That'll fit. That'll fit his culture. I mean, are you kidding me? I'm sure he thinks LeBron's rookie year is better than Jokic this year at this rate. That's the most ridiculous statement I've ever heard in my entire life. The only first of all, I forgot about Chris Paul. Chris Paul and the Joker, one and two for me. Okay, those two guys have absolutely been the best players in the league. Look what Phoenix has done. They're they're number two seed, and look what Joker's done. Even with Murray, this guy's been averaging 28, 29 points a game, seven, eight. I mean, ten rebounds a game and about seven or eight assists a game. He's been absolutely phenomenal. He absolutely is the MVP. He deserves it. The thing with the Chris Paul though is Devin Booker. I feel like Devin Booker is better than Chris Paul at this point. As an overall uh, yeah, player, yeah, but his uh, Chris Paul's value has been enormous. What has Devin Booker done? And Devin Booker's a great player. Last year, where was Devin Booker and where was Phoenix Suns with Devin Booker and, and the players that they had? It's the same practical team that they had, except I think uh, uh, Drew, Drew Holiday was there, right? It was a Drew Holiday? Or was, which Holiday was it? Was it the no, other? no, it was Justin Holiday. Justin Holiday was there. They didn't have uh, Chris Paul. Chris Paul comes over there. They're the second seed. They're not even... Uh, you look at the difference. Chris Paul goes there. They're a second seed. If Steph Curry went there, are they a second seed? The answer is no. So I, I think Chris Paul changed the whole uh, mathematical equation over there in Phoenix. I think Phoenix is a dangerous team going into the playoffs, but I don't think Chris Paul is the MVP. It would go to Joker. Yeah, but the quantum physics mathematic equation comes to 8-0 in the bubble. They're 8-0 in the bubble. Do you see how they're playing at the end of the season? Mm-hmm. Like, they're they're starting to pick it up, and they just rolled right into the next season. I think they're a young team getting their footing. I don't think Chris Paul made this huge difference. I just think the team was coming on, and Chris Paul joined right at the perfect timing. He's been in tons of teams with tons of talent, and he's never able to take them over the top. Look at the Clippers. You look at um all the different teams he's been on. Houston Rockets, they've never done anything. He was never, never – well, hold on one second, Billy Bob. He's <laughs> – 
He's never. I love he, that name, by the way. He's never. He's never stayed healthy. If you were, if you remember what Houston did, they would have knocked off Golden State in the Western Conference Finals if Chris Paul could stay healthy. Who knows what could have happened with Houston if they went to the finals? Uh, they might have won the whole thing. So I think that Chris Paul just has a stroke of bad luck when he gets into the playoffs. He can't stay healthy. But what Chris Paul has done from a team, uh, a team that was what. Uh, they, they were the second they or third They were a bubble worst. team. They were undefeated in the bubble, but they were a bubble team. I think they were ninth or tenth seed. <laughs> they, they're a completely different team, and I think that Chris Paul can change a, the outlook of an organization because of what he does as a team player, unlike Mr. Steph Curry. But, I, I again, I don't think Chris Paul is the MVP of the league. I think it's Joker. I think what he has done for the Nuggets this year has been absolutely a remarkable, and this guy not only can shoot and rebound, he can pass, and he's one of the best passers in the league. So it's phenomenal to watch a talented player of that magnitude. Problem is, he has two first names, Chris and Paul. You know that's a that's, he's got no shot. He's got no shot. But as far as Jokic goes, I think I don't know. They're they're trying to bring up Steve Nash. Oh, well, Steve Nash, he got MVP. Why can't Chris Paul? I don't know. I just think that yoke job, clear-cut case. Jamal Murray went down. You got Barton went down. Uh, Will Barton, freaking, it's just one guy after the other. They keep proving he's still legit. They're still carrying him to a three-seat. It's clear-cut, but everyone wants to bring in the next guy. Oh, Curry, oh, Paul, and B, this guy. Wrong. <laughs> Billy, I, Billy, I just want to say, though, your first name theory. So I, I guess LeBron James can't be MVP because he has a last name of James. Kawhi Leonard can't be an MVP because his last name is Leonard. Like, what, what kind of logic is that exactly? <laughs> <laughs> LeBron, that might as well be a last name. That's, a, that's, a that's fair. <laughs> well, in his own words, uh, LeBron is in and he's out like Trouts. So there you go. Hey, I want my final point regarding um, – availability and being able to stay healthy. That's part of it. Like, if you can't stay healthy, you're always injured. Like Embiid. Like, well, he would have did this if he stayed healthy, if he didn't get injured. Yeah, that's part of it, man. Mm -hmm. And for someone like Jokic, his style of play is not real explosiveness. It's real um, subtle finesse. So I think that's why he's able to stay so healthy. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's, that's part of it. That factors in, but I'll leave you guys to it. Thanks for taking my call. Absolutely. Billy Bob, keep listening to the show. Wednesdays and Thursdays, man. Download the app. iOS, WWS. Thank you. Billy Bob, guys. New new fan. Love him. Uh, Gave us some good insight. He's right. Joker is the... um, He's the MVP. There's no debate because Murray getting hurt also adds to his stature of him getting the MVP even more. Fantastic. Fantastic take on his thoughts of Jokic. I think it's... To me, it's one and two. Uh, I think Joker is one and Paul is two. I don't think Where's Julius Randle in this whole topic? Julius Randle is best comeback player of the year. I think that's what I he think is. he's top five, you think, in this voting, though? Maybe I don't think – no, they're not going to put him in the voting. No, I don't think he'll be top five. No, that's unfortunate. It's a joke, but they're not going to put him in the it's voting. It's a joke. They should. By the, way, by the way, Jeff has returned. <laughs> What's up, Jeff? Errol, I, I heard you talking and I – you know – I feel a little bad. You thought I was a little hard on Jeopardy. Mm-hmm. So I want to put this out there for him. Mm-hmm. I will apologize. Mm-hmm. 
for absolutely nothing. You're going to tell me you watched one quarter of David Collins play football, and then you're going to make a judgment? You're an idiot. <laughs> He's a kid, man. He's got his own opinion. I, I will not stand for David Collins slander. None of it. If, if, if I Is hear someone your Pardo, David Collins jersey yet, Jeff? I'm for you. <laughs> He's coming Je- for you. Josh, you can't be. Jeff's already got a ticket for his uh, his Hall of Fame ceremony. <laughs> uh, no, but I'm wondering if he if he actually did he actually did he pre-order the jersey yet? Mm, I don't think he did. Jeff, did you pre-order the jersey? <laughs> no, but I'm going to. Listen, did I, Errol mentioned it earlier? Did you see? You know, like everyone gets the call on draft day, right? You mm-hmm. get the call on draft. They filmed Zayvon Collins's call with Steve Kime. Did you you guys see it? Yeah, yeah. I mentioned it. Yeah. Yep. What was the first thing he said? Steve, we're gonna murder everybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! I... When I when I told you he was Roquan Smith with an attitude problem, and listen, murder's a little far. Our Aaron Hernandez is a little fresh in our mind. We don't necessarily like that. <laughs> But yo, attitude problem. I love it. Well, I, I hope he does well. I I root for Kyler Murray. He's my favorite player in the league. I think he's a fantastic player, fantastic talent. I think Arizona is going to be the team to beat in the NFC this year. I really do. I think they're going to be dangerous. Steve, we're going to murder everybody. <laughs> and then he said we're going to dry hump every quarterback in the end zone. <laughs> Can you imagine your first? Just just imagine your first phone call with your new boss. Telling them that you're going to murder people. <laughs> and you get away with it, right, Jeff? <laughs> Dude, get away with it. The GM was like, well, come on with it. <laughs> and that is Jeffrey, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I'm, uh, do, I need to, do I need to send Jeffrey uh, uh, a Zabin Collins uh, highlight reel? I think he would love it. I, I, th- I don't know if he'll watch it, but I think he'll love it. <laughs> <laughs> he'll probably, put it, probably go to his spam mail. <laughs> he'll be like, fuck this. <laughs> for, first of all, I was the first one on Zabin Collins. You guys didn't even know who he was until you said, oh, who's who do you think's the sneakiest guy? And I said, David Collins. Y'all didn't even know who he was. Then he goes 16th, right? I was even sending the Errol clips of this dude and yeah. game film of this dude. And then Errol was like, yeah, I think I see why you like him. <laughs> you did. You definitely uh, sold me on David Collins. That's for sure. Uh, I just thought the timing of the whole thing was just so wonky. It really was weird, man, with Jones going 15th to New England and then Collins the next pick. I mean, that was just so freaking weird. But that's that. how the draft goes, dummy. Do you not understand people drafting? No, leads? dummy. I know how the draft goes, but the first thing I thought of was you murdering somebody outside your house saying, get the freak off my lawn. But that's, <laughs> that's, that's what people do. They draft needs. You didn't see, you didn't see like, oh, uh, hey, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars have the number one overall pick. Why don't we take a wide receiver? No, because then no one would be able to throw the football. <laughs> like you draft needs. And to be quite honest with you, when you look at New England and they just drafted two linebackers last year, Dante Hightower's coming back from COVID. They just got Kyle Van Noy back from Miami. Would linebackers seem like a need to you? And they were also saying that Dante High, that they say that Zayvon Collins is, is a better Dante Hightower. That's what they were saying. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, not a bad player comparison, I don't think. No, not at all. And I mean, when you look at guys, that's what you do. You you go, oh, who does this guy remind you of? Mm-hmm. And that's right? what they said. That's what they said. A lot of experts said he's a better, faster Dante uh, Dante Hightower. That's I mean, he's said. bigger, stronger, and faster Dante Hightower. Mm-hmm. That's what they said. And he called his boss and said, let's murder people. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, Jeff definitely, well, Jeff definitely is not a Jeff fan. That's for sure. <laughs> well, listen, li- listen, you might have thought I was a little harsh on him. And that could be fair. I might have been, okay? He's an I intern. don't think I was. He's an but intern. You can, uh, that's, yeah, well, everyone's supposed to shit on interns anyways. So there's that. Um, <laughs> but you might have thought that I was hard on him. But do you think I'm hard at someone when they go, I watched one quarter of football? <laughs> well, I, I just think that uh, I think that because he's in Oakland, there's not a lot of games over there. He should have lied. Mm-hmm. He should have said, I saw four games. So I didn't, wasn't all. No, then you would have caught him in a lie. I know you. You would find, oh, really? What games did you watch? I don't know. <laughs> I watched, I, I did watch all the Tulsa games. I yeah. know you did. That's why I. They're you, on ESPN networks. So he can watch them too, just you, as easily. I mean, it's. <laughs> It's not even that because it's not hard to catch Tulsa games because Tulsa generally plays every Thursday. Like, they're the Thursday night football team. Mm. Unbelievable. You know? But Which like, part of this? what do you think about making a judgment on any player? Like, any player, if you've seen one quarter of football? I I wouldn't say anything. And that's why before I did my quarterback, uh, you know, I went back to my quarterback thing. I, I really did my research before I, I even changed anything. So... You have to do your research before because you don't want anybody. If you know somebody that knows a little bit more about you when it comes to college sports, they'll oh, eat I'm going to catch people with college football. They'll I'll eat catch you. Them. They'll eat you up alive, and, and and once they do, you'll look like a complete moron. And that's what that's what happens. I, I've you, seen you don't want to look like the beef, right? <laughs> <laughs> the beef. Oh man, poor beef, man. He he told me. Tell, oh, by the way, he told me to keep uh, keep his name out of your mouth. That's what he said. Fuck him. Who cares? What's he gonna do? What's he gonna do? Oh, that's pretty. Funny. That dude's been wrong about anything that's ever come out of his mouth. How like how many times did I try to tell him when we were on speaking terms that he was gonna like CD Lamb? He was like, nope, he's gonna be terrible. <laughs> I thought the best was when I we had the three way call this past week, and then Arrow goes, "I got your friend on the phone." I go, "Oh, who the beef?" And I knew it was Jeff calling. And I, was... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, was he right on the beef? I mean, on on CD Lamb, was he right on CD Lamb? No, Arrow? he was completely no. wrong. <sighs> was he right that that Dak Prescott was going to win three Super Bowls in a row? Well, he, he also fixed that. He said he'll win at least one. <laughs> was, he, was, he, was he right when he said uh, Zeke Elliott was better than Barry Sanders? Well, that was a little outlandish, to say the least. I think I think he laughs at it himself when he said that. His the own... best was when he came on and he gave us like 20 different draft picks of who they could take, and everybody was like, Jeff, they, I mean, he was like the beef. They only have one pick. <laughs> I'll, I'll, tell, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll never mention him again if you tell me one time he said something he was right. One time he said um, he wins a lot of bets when it comes to like games. He's very yeah, good dude, he won. Uh, he won like a knockout pool. That, by the way, that's kind of luck. Yeah, and that's not something he said. No, he, I'm talking about like games. Um, who did? What? What did he say? Uh, Nothing. 
I'm trying Nothing. to I'm trying to remember something that he said. Speedy Speedy might know. I remember a baseball one. I don't remember yes. any football ones. He was right on the Cano trade being yeah. bad, which a lot of Mets fans liked at the oh, time. Oh, come on. Everybody and their mother knew that was bad. No, a lot of Mets fans liked it at the time. Yep, they so, did. I don't know. I, I did. Could Moron. go down as one of the worst trades in, in history. So He could go down as one of the worst fans in sports history. Then. <laughs> <laughs> they should put him on ESPN then, right, Jeff? <laughs> Then it'll be Mel Kuyper Sr. <laughs> Here's something even better. Name something he likes that isn't complete shit. <laughs> and that is Jeff, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> the Mets, their shit. The Island, the, the Rangers, their shit. The Cowboys, Pile of shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's our logo. That. It's a rating. <laughs> oh, he's a Bulls fan but, too. <laughs> they suck too. <laughs> look at all. Look at all the genius trades they made at the deadline. Did the Bulls get better or worse? Nope. They're shit. They're actually bullshit. <laughs> Remember when everybody was crowning Laurie Markkinen as like the next big superstar? Yeah, I love him. About a year. Draft. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what happened to him. He he was good Shoot, for the first man. two years. Who's that? Marketing. He was good for the first two years. And then everybody was crowning him. They said, Oh, he's the next Porzingis. And he just went I thought he was gonna be better than Porzingis. I remember at that draft. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you exactly what happened to Lori Marketing. The beef was like, he's good. Immediately <laughs> turned to shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, leave the kid alone. <laughs> he was like, he's like, I hate CD Lamb. CD Lamb flourishes. Who did he want hey. instead of CD Lamb? McKinney. Xavier McKinney, and he got hurt. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Beef. I guess I, could, right. I, could, I guess I could blame you for jinxing that too. He wanted McKinney. He he got so pissed off when the giant when the um uh, when the Cowboys, when the Cowboys drafted, drafted CD Lamb. Lamb at seventeen. I said, Are you Cowboys out of your mind? Just, I mean, Jeff knows. Is there? Any, I I Jeff will find his. Fa- I, I have a friend of mine. He's a Cowboys fan, and he literally said he was begging them to draft Johnny Manziel, and they took Zach Martin. And I said, "Great pick, great pick for them." And he flipped out. He goes, "This is a terrible pick. This is going to set the organization back for ten years." Well, well that's Cowboy fans in a nutshell. Now, Johnny's sitting on his couch right now, sniffing. Coke. Yeah, exactly. Was <laughs> going to Pro Bowls and if he's even, if he's even on hard. his couch, he might be at a party for all we know. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Could be in Canada, possibly. He could be hanging out with Jeff right now as we speak, right, Jeff? <laughs> What's up? Johnny Manziel hanging out with you? Having a little oh, party? Oh, no, I could, I could. Listen, maybe in my younger days, but I couldn't keep up partying no more. <laughs> you don't think you could keep up with him a little bit, Jeff? Like, you, you go watch the Derby a week ago? You don't think you say, hey, let's go, you know? I guess that's a no. <laughs> that's a, I guess that's a no. No, I can't hear Josh. Oh, so. no, no. No, Josh. Josh was saying, "Don't you think after going out with the Derby and stuff like that, that uh, you'd be hanging out with somebody like Johnny Manziel after yeah, the you Derby?" You could have brought him last week, Jeff. Come on, man. You could have went to the, watched the Kentucky Derby, brought him over with you. Come on, would have been the light of the party. That's what he was saying. You could have been hanging out at the Kentucky Derby and and, huh. and enjoying yourself with Johnny Manziel. So there you go, buddy. I listen. No Kentucky. Listen, I I bet on the Derby because I'm a degenerate gambler, and then then that's what I do. But no, friend, I was uh, all the way to pick two fifty six. So there you go. There I, is. You know, I watched the draft the whole way through. Jeff, you know? I remember you were analyzing us when we were all on the phone together. Boy, was he ever! And he was. <laughs> I was waiting. 
well, truthfully, I was uh, I was waiting for one certain person to get picked. So, and it was a whole lot later than I thought it was going to be. That's for damn sure. <laughs> hey, listen, he went he went to a good team, and yeah. and they, you know, I don't like ranking drafts because I don't think that that's fair. Because I think you have to rank off seasons. Yes. Right, because a lot of people in free agency filled spots, and then the draft fills your other holes mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and so he went to a team that might have had the best offseason mm-hmm. they did have the best offseason it wasn't might arizona had the best offseason no no i'm talking about kansas city oh kansas i think arizona had the the best kansas uh the best offseason uh, I, I really yeah, well i mean look at what kansas city did though right mm-hmm. everyone was like how many people were crapping on kansas city when they let go of fisher and let go of schwartz and sign, dude. That offensive line is now the strength of that team, and everyone thought it was going to be the biggest weakness. Well, that's Andy Reid. Uh, he's he is a mastermind, and he's a uh, very what he's very big offensively when it comes to the offensive line. So, I, be- because part of ranking the draft, right, is you know Kansas City traded their pick to get Orlando Brown, so yep. basically they're mm-hmm. kind, you know, quasi in a way drafting Orlando Brown. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, that's solid for a team that had no offensive line and now they might have one of the best ones. Absolutely. Jeff, thanks, man. Jeffrey, I'm coming for you. (laughs) And that is Jeff, ladies and gentlemen. Who do we have on that? Is there anybody else calling in? No, that was your girlfriend calling. There you go. Your girlfriend. You want to put Brady through on the line? Your girlfriend. Thank you, Speedy. Anyways, that's it for our show, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I hope everybody enjoyed it. Well, we'll be back next week. I promise you. Uh, We will have it. It will be two days next week. Uh, Hopefully, Speedy doesn't screw up. But that's you know, Speedy. Um, uh, Listen to the Weekend Crunch. It will be. Live Saturday at 7 p.m., right? Is there nope, an there's an Islander game. So They're playing be, the Devils. It will be live. God damn it. It will be live Islanders. at 10, <laughs> 10.30. So stay tuned for that. Until then, this is Errol Mark, Speedy Beatty, and Joshua Silverberg. Oh, by the way, thank you to BYU insider Mitch Harper and Dan McCann, uh, TV sportscaster Dan McCann, uh, Dave McCann. I'm sorry. Uh, they were great interviews, great insight of Zach Wilson. And uh, thank you to Jeffrey, my intern, and Kyle Williams, my intern over there in Jamaica. Great kids. Great kids. And creating a rivalry with someone that shares his oh. <laughs> And thank you to Jeff for just – and Billy Bob for calling our show and just making our show so special. That's it. Good night, everybody. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.